participating locations. Does not include state local taxes or recycling fees. Advertised sales price may not be available in some states. Offer ends 831 Well, I pulled out of Pittsburgh, rolling down the eastern seaboard. I've got my diesel wound up, and she's running like I never before. There's a speed zone ahead, but all right. I don't see a cop inside. Six days on the road, and I'm gonna make it home tonight. Nick Lamotta guy back here, AM650, KGAB, talking about transmissions and talked a lot about automatics. For the next couple of minutes, just want to, at the same time the automatics were developing, the same thing had happened in manual transmissions. Remember back to Durea and uh, the um, Panhard Levisor, three-speed sliding gear transmission, and then by the 30s we had synchronization thanks to Cadillac and... The manual transmission still was desirable to many people, particularly those who actually enjoyed driving rather than just transportation. And of course, in the world of auto racing, automatics were poo-pooed because they did not offer the control that a manual transmission did. That manual transmission continued to develop because of that. And again, automotive racing motor racing has always been a development huge development platform for everything that we've done and of course it uh, continues today so back we had three speeds and for those of you who remember three on the tree now a lot of people in uh who might be listening britain are going what on earth are you talking about but here in america we knew about three on the tree and three on the tree meant you had a manual transmission with a lever on the steering column which you actually maneuvered to get your three gears in europe four speeds um, became the vogue again smaller engines much less torque than their american counterparts the need for more ratios to keep the engine on the boil um in other words in its most powerful point um most of these were shifted by a shifter on the floor unless you were french in which case you took your dashboard and you stuck what looked like a rather strange umbrella stick out in the middle of it and that was your shifter if you guys are ever in a car show and you see an old renault or um 70s renault or renault 4 or something like that or you see a citroen 2cv or diane 6 which was the um sporty version of it it's had 600 cc's um that had this sort of umbrella stick affair out of the dash as manual transmissions continue to be developed 
four speeds on the floor became the kind of standard thing both here in the states for those that came with standard transmissions and over in europe um that that was basically the standard thing along come the japanese honda toyota nissan uh or datsun as it was over time again with smaller engines which they were getting immense power out of for the time but by getting immense power of them they were narrowing the power band the rev band the the torque area if you want of where the engine produced its best power so as a answer to that the japanese came with five-speed transmissions and although five-speed transmissions were there for a reason a lot of the manufacturers and again i'm talking about the rest of the world not so much the united states although the small cars of the 80s here as well it became a almost a necessity if you produced a new car you couldn't have a four-speed transmission you had to have a five-speed because well it was a bigger number and therefore it had to be better i think that's how a lot of the public thought about it although for the manufacturers it was a necessity for the engine to be kept again in its sweet spot and yet when um driving on the highways and just general cruising you could get that overdrive or fifth gear and in some cases later on sixth gear to give you the the, the relaxed rpm still in the point where the engine could pull the car along at speed and get your best fuel economy so that was the development of the uh, similar ideas you have start with three four five six speeds there are even seven speed standard transmissions not many of the the for vehicles that you can find with a standard now six speed does tend to be the yeah the the standard as it were automatics of course well we've really gone crazy and again this is all in the name of emissions and economy and this is where our automatics are going sorry folks but the way automatics are built today is to control how you drive some of us won't like to hear that but it is facts one of the big pushes of the next generation of automatics a few years ago was the CVT or constantly variable transmission for me probably the most disgusting design in transmissions ever I hate driving CVTs but for a lot of people who just turn the key and need transportation it works very well CVTs do do away with any planetary gears and basically it's two cones with a steel belt running between them it is not a new idea the DAF company, which later became part of Volvo, um, actually had this design. It was, called, it was kind of rudely known as the rubber band transmission when I was growing up. Um, this came out more and more and more in the early 2000s. Nissan turned almost completely over to this style of transmission, sometimes with success, sometimes not so much. Subaru now uses that Nissan transmission. It is starting to become more reliable, thank goodness. But anyone who's driven a CVT, yeah, they're pretty awful drive. But what they do do, a constantly variable transmission has the 
perfect answer to keeping that engine in its perfect rpm point because basically the engine rpm drops jumps up to where the engineers decided it should and pretty much stays in that power band the entire time so you never feel any shifts it also feels really rather boring but it does have the function of getting the engine into that power band where it gives the best emissions best economy and the engine running at its perfect point as far as the engineer is concerned now for those of us who love engines that make noise and higher rpm and all those things well it's a disgusting invention but for what the engineers were being forced to do by the bean counters and cafe standards and all those, it was a very necessary thing. In the answer to the fact that the manufacturers, one, were struggling on higher powered engines to make that reliable, they then developed ever-evolving numbers of ratios in the standard planetary gear transmission or versions thereof sometimes without planets but with multiple clutch packs chrysler was an example of that so now we are where we were four speeds back in the 90s five speeds by the late 90s six speeds eight speeds and then horror of horrors gm's turbo hydromatic side of their company and ford decided to do an alliance and together they built the 10-speed automatic which you will see in all the suvs and trucks and all those things that are built by gm today and ford so when you drive your ford you're driving a gm transmission and when you're driving a gm by the way you're driving a ford transmission yeah got that good if you'd like to join me 632 6500 632 3323 one triple eight five oh three sixty five hundred. We're gonna to jump to the phones. Good morning, you're on Cargap. Oh greetings from your friendly neighborhood domestic terrorist. Hello, sir. Yeah, well I I am uh, enjoying all the, the history that you have have uh, quite the uh, command of and I'm actually glad you're doing that because it, had you not mentioned the names that you mentioned uh, these people would uh, never be heard of. You know, somebody invents something that makes a huge difference, and their name just kind of, you know, dwindles off into obscurity. Absolutely. And, and there are other names out there which I jumped across because, well, I was trying to get too complicated, but one that I didn't know about until I started doing the research on this was, have you ever heard of Otto Zachow? and William Besseditch of Clintonville, Wisconsin. No, I have not. Well, they built the first successful four-wheel drive unit in 1906. Wow. <laughs> no, this has been really fun to do the research on. I, and, I mean, there's a lot that I did know um, because I find it fascinating, but there were names I came across, such as Mr. Zachow and Mr. Besseditch, I had no idea existed. Let alone that the four-wheel drive unit came out of Clintonville, Wisconsin. I now want to go to Clintonville, Wisconsin to just see what it looks like. Well, it's not too far from us, I don't suppose. No, probably and not. Speaking of history, uh, Howie Spidel is kind of sort of waiting with bated breath for your uh, call. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that. Sorry, it's been... 
it, it just uh, busy, busy, busy at the moment. And of course, I'm struggling like everybody else in any kind of business with lack of help. Uh, yeah, I, I, I get that. Uh, it may be kind of spotty towards the end of September because they're having a convention in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Uh, well, sound, yeah. Sounds good. I, I will get it done, Skits, okay? Twice. All right. Thanks, sir. Yeah. And try to fit in calls and finish up a bit of this story as well. Let's jump to line one. Good morning. You're on Car Gap. Hey, you're a little shifty this morning. Yes, a little shifty indeed. How are you, Doug? I'm doing pretty good. I'm on the edge of my seat ready to hear the end of the story, though, but I had to call you before your time is up. So Yeah, I understand. <laughs> just, just just a reminder, we're still cruising tonight. Absolutely. Night is on. Um, I'm not sure we're going to have any fundraiser, but it uh, looks to me like we're still going to cruise, and it's going to be a pretty cool night. So. Yep. We are not going to have a fundraiser. The charity that was involved has decided with the COVID thing that they have too many people at risk, so they are not coming out. I totally understand that. So, anyway, I'll probably see you out there tonight. Yep. And, uh, I, I tell you my... Uh, automatic transmission story but it's way too long so okay <laughs> anyway, i'll let you get back to your, your the end of your story absolutely thanks sir talk to you later bye bye-bye and let's jump over the line too good morning you're on car gap thank you very much nick uh, yeah i really wanted to know about them transmissions so it's very interesting show thank you a long time ago in the early 50s i was in a a Chrysler probably, I don't know if it was a DeSoto or what, but we were out in a weak field and the guy was wanting to get more power. And I don't know if he hit the clutch or the brake on that. It was automatic some kind. What would that, what would that do? Is that kind of transmission? So trying it, so what he probably did, and DeSoto was one of the ones with a dual, if I remember rightly, a dual range. So by that time chrysler with their fluid drive which was was used in the um desotos as well had a kind of a dual range transmission so what he probably did was drop it down to a lower range by hitting the clutch well because it, yes so okay. some of these you could move the lever and it did so when i was talking about the pre-selector yes sir that probably the clutch also operated the pre-selection phase of that and again i'm not completely familiar with it because it was so as they again as i was uh, detailing earlier there were so many different versions of semi-automatics as the manufacturers were trying to make cars easier to drive so there were lots of different strange versions of dual ranges and things like that which could be operated by hitting the clutch or by hitting a lever to change a range Right. Okay. Well, thank you very okay. much. I appreciate that. I was wondering what happened. But I'm thinking that's what it is, but I'll admit it is a somewhat educated guess. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And let's jump over to line one. Good morning, you're on car. Oh, no, we lost that one. All righty. If you would like to join us, 632-6500-632-3323. Oh, they may be back. Let's try this again. Good morning, you're on car gap. Good morning, Nick. Eric again. Hello, Eric. Hey, uh, I think it was uh, either 1953 or 1954, Plymouth had what they call high drive. Okay. Now, the way you could work this, 
a lot of women, uh, like my aunt, she went out and brought one because she didn't want to work with a, uh, a manual transmission. You could drive it in third, or you could shift it like a regular three-speed. Yep. Yeah, uh, which was unique for her because uh, she always drove it in uh, in third gear, which was automatic. Everything just happened automatically, and, uh, you know. But I borrowed it a few times, and I liked the idea. It was three on a tree. You know, and uh, I like the idea of shifting, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Was, I, I, I don't know how reliable it were because I, I don't, she, hers never broke down. So uh, I guess it was pretty reliable for her. Anyway. Yeah, and you know, all these things, it was incredible how reliable these were because they were literally on the edge of technology. Yeah, yeah. And nice. and it, it's interesting now. You know, we've developed these trans these engines and these transmissions for a hundred and twenty years. Yep. Um, and every time we turn the news on at the moment, we hear about an electric vehicle that's done this or done that. Yeah. And you, whether you agree or disagree with the whole electric premise, which is a completely different subject to where I'm trying to go with yeah. this, we got to remember that. These cars that we're producing now are very, again, very much on the edge forefront of technology. Yeah. And therefore, we are going to occasionally have problems. You know, back in the day, car fires due to gasoline were pretty common. Yeah. Way, 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 way back before yeah. even you were born, Eric. I mean, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, well, I, I was around. <laughs> I, I had my first Brontosaurus steak uh, back then. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, but you had um, lights on early cars, which were um, powered before ele before the thought of ele electric lights by acetylene gas created by dripping water onto calcium carbide. Right. And when, well, I mean, sorry, you got acetylene gas and um, you're lighting it. Yeah, that went wrong and that exploded. Um, yeah. So we've had these issues, and it, it it now because of course everything has to be a panic and everyone has to be blamed for something. It's become a much bigger deal. But I think again, whatever side you're on with the electric versus gasoline versus coal versus whatever subject, yeah. as we develop new ideas, we're going to have things that go wrong, and it's happened in the automotive industry since the beginning of time. And again, r removing the political aspect of it, which I desperately try to do so often and I try to think clearly on these things, we had to accept that when we're starting to push that envelope, we're going to have problems. Yeah. I mean, go, let's go back to the airship, you know, yeah. um, before we realized helium was just almost as good as hydrogen, we had airships blowing up. Yep. That's for sure. We, so. were, the, we were the major supply of, uh, of uh, helium. Uh, yeah. And... Uh, this is why the Hindenburg got... Exactly, that was exactly what I was thinking about. Yeah, but yeah. the Hindenburg created the need for helium, which created the need, you know, here we go down this path again. Yeah. Now, of course, airships were not exactly maneuverable, but they created flight at a time when flight wasn't yeah. easily available. So they would, like to, they would like the cruise ship of going to Europe, if you, if you can get on one, you know... Uh, Absolutely, I mean, we can go all the way... Boat, you know, but... Uh, 
We yeah. can go all the way back to my, my one of my great engineering heroes, IKB, Hesenbard Kingdom Brunel, who was told you can never build a ship out of iron. It can never float. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he did, and it was incredibly successful. And we don't have too many wooden trawlers running around anymore, do we? No. Hey, hey, you know something? I I, I get a kick out of this. My brother brought a hybrid, you know? Yeah. Uh, And, uh, oh, man, this is great. This is new stuff. No, it ain't. You you can go all the way back to diesel, electric. uh, Oh, absolutely. uh, Trains, and uh, and now all of our our, uh, military boats, except for the aircraft carriers, are, are still diesel electric. So this is not a new idea, you know, but... uh, uh, even even the the German King Tiger tank was diesel electric, and it had so much failures in it because uh, it was all, it, uh, aside from the uh, seventy tons that it was, uh, it had so many problems with the uh, diesel uh, electric. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, tank. again, here's another example of pushing the envelope. Yeah. And we've got to remember that as we develop new forms of transportation which is going to happen and needs to happen we will develop over times there's going to be issues with them so anyway i'm going to let you go finish up where i'm going and thank you so much for calling and listening eric okay always good to hear from you bye-bye and we need to fit a quick break and we'll be right back am 650 kgab Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. Brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Pure. Hannah complained of a headache. It was a rhabdomyosarcoma. Within a few days, Hannah was in treatment because we were told that the tumor was very aggressive. And it very quickly became clear that St. Jude was the ultimate place to be. So we've essentially put our lives in South Africa on hold. Incredibly blessed to be here. St. Jude is an asset to the world. The research that is developed here is offered freely to the rest of the medical world. The entire way that the place operates is just to give and to care. I think it's the kind of place that not only stands as a beacon for pediatric cancer, but I think it could teach the world a couple of lessons about how to treat people. And I think if those lessons could be learned even in their most basic form, this world could be a better place. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Olivia from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel from California, choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water, 
doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager. Learning the lingo. Jelly. Jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Are you at risk for oral cancer? I never chew tobacco. I don't drink much. Never smoked a cigarette in my life. You're three times as likely to get oral cancer if you drink or use tobacco. What about HPV? HPV. Isn't that about cervical cancer? What does that have to do with oral cancer? You're 30 times more likely to get oral cancer if you have HPV or the human papillomavirus. HPV? Didn't know that. Learn more about HPV and oral cancer at myoms.org. This message is brought to you by your oral and facial surgeons. Nick the Motor Guy back here on AM650 KGAB. We got about four minutes left to uh, transmit the story of transmissions. Um, So we've gone through the the standard transmissions. We've gone through all the automatics. We are now to eight-speed and 10-speed fully electronically controlled transmissions. We have CVT transmission, which, as I said, are are a metal link belt between two cones. The 8-speed and 10-speed, everything, again, it's all fixated on trying to control emissions and all those things. And with those transmissions, these new transmissions, it keeps that engine at that perfect RPM point. For those of us that still actually love to drive, yeah, they're pretty awful. Um, one of the things that we that I didn't touch on are dual clutch transmissions or DCTs. They are kind of a mix between the standard transmission and the automatic. So they actually have gears with shafts that are electronically run by, um, by solenoids and switches and controlled through paddle shifts. Um, typically on very high end performance cars, Ferraris, Porsches, things like that. Those are done with performance in mind. They couldn't give a monkeys about emissions. This is absolutely ultimate performance. It can also 
um, help with the incredibly powerful engines that some of these vehicles have. And we're talking, well, the new Mustang GT500, 700 horsepower. It is using a dual-clutch transmission simply because the manufacturer does not feel that 99% of us who um, might drive this vehicle are actually capable of shifting a manual transmission successfully to control that power. So DCTs come into vogue there. We'll just leave those alone a little bit because they really are in the sort of $100,000 plus cars, track cars, um, ultimate performance cars. Go back to the automatics. Those are with us to stay while the internal combustion survives. As I said earlier, when we first started, steam engines and electric motors don't need transmissions because their torque point can be increased, it, it, it is widespread, unlike a gasoline engine which, where it is very narrow. That is the reason for a transmission. For now, I'll leave you with this idea. If you remember when I first talked about this, way back two hours ago, our transmissions were two pulleys and a leather belt. I believe, as the, in what I unfortunately believe is the waning days of the internal combustion engine, standard transmissions will be a thing of the past. DCT transmissions will ignore because they're only in the ultimate high-powered Ferraris, Lamborghinis, blah, blah, blah. Automatic transmissions, planetary gear, automatic transmissions, as we know them, will be gone. Again, remembering, we started with two pulleys and a leather belt. What we'll be left with in our last gasoline-powered cars will be a CVT. And what's a CVT? It's two pulleys connected by a metal belt. So we have achieved 100 years and achieved absolutely nothing. We've gone back to where we started. And with that revelation, I will leave you this week. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Remember, Cheyenne Arts Festival is going on at Lions Park. Paddy Fiasco is playing tonight. The Cubby Hole. Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers is playing at 4 o'clock at the Cubby Hole on Haunted Road off Del Range. Go and look at those uh, condos out there. They're awesome. Whatever you do, enjoy Cheyenne. Enjoy our community. And come out and cruise tonight on Cheyenne Cruise Legend. I'll see you there. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hurricane is heading north. I'm Pam Puso, Fox News. What was Tropical Storm Henri is now a Category 1 hurricane taking aim at the northeast. Four to six inches of rain through Long Island, up through Connecticut, into New York and Massachusetts. There's heavy rainfall, even northern, uh, north New Jersey here can get some of that rainfall. Just efficient rains could be some flooding and could knock down some trees. Ken Graham is the director of the National Hurricane Center. Power outages could be widespread. Landfall expected tomorrow. Hurricane Grace hit Mexico's Gulf Shore today as a major Category 3 before weakening, drenching coastal and inland areas. It was the storm's second landfall in the country in two days. To Afghanistan, where the Pentagon says the situation is fluid and dynamic. Spokesman John Kirby also saying the mission to get Americans and Afghan interpreters out of the 
country hasn't changed. He did appear to downplay a security alert from the U.S. Embassy in Kabul that earlier today advised Americans not to attempt to get to the airport. The AP is reporting possible threats from ISIS may be the reason. What you're seeing out of our State Department colleagues, I think, is uh, you know, a prudent notification to make sure that whatever movement there is to the gates from outside the airport is done uh, as safely as possible and that people have uh, the information they need. In the last 24 hours, the Pentagon says six U.S. military transport planes and a number of charter flights have left Afghanistan. Since the end of July, we have relocated approximately 22,000 people. Since the beginning of uh, this evacuation operation on August 14th, we've evacuated approximately 17,000. Major General Hank Taylor, America's listening to Fox News. inviting you to download and listen to the new daily Fox on Tech podcast. There's part of a colorful late 90s iMac on Mars. It's an idea that seems a lot like Kickstarter called Build It. This isn't the first time we've heard about North Korea hackers trying to get a leg up on COVID-19, a range that was used for satellite TV service in the 70s. Get the latest trends in technology, cybersecurity alerts, and gadget news daily. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The Voices America Trusts. Download it now. As the coronavirus pandemic wears on, there's growing debate over mask mandates at schools. And in some cases, people are getting creative to skirt the rules. Parents want to keep your kids from wearing masks when they return to school? How about the pastor of a California megachurch who's offering religious exemptions for those morally opposed to vaccinations? Or there's the Louisiana attorney general who posted sample letters on his Facebook page for anyone looking for a way around the governor's mask rules. Oregon Governor Kate Brown's appalled by Mark Thielman, the superintendent of the Alsea Oregon School District, suggestion that parents cite federal disability laws to get their kid an exemption. Brown says he's instructed students to lie. Thielman says the majority of his parents are skeptical and are no longer believing what they're told about COVID-19. Dr. Peter Chin Hong, an infectious disease specialist at the University of California, warns that such stratagems will sow confusion about masks and vaccinations. Karen McHugh, Fox News. Thousands of people in France are again protesting the COVID-19 health pass. It's required to gain access to restaurants, sporting events, and tourist attractions. Despite the demonstrations, polls have shown the majority of French people support the health pass. The situation in Haiti is dire and desperate as homeless and hungry earthquake victims wait for relief. The catastrophe has one social media giant stepping up. Facebook says it will match up to $500,000 in donations made on its site to the United Nations Children's Fund to help Haiti with recovery efforts following a devastating 7.2 magnitude earthquake. The humanitarian agency posts after COVID-19 school closures, children in Haiti were excited to get back in the classroom. Then the earthquake struck. I'm Pam Pusso, Fox News.
Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. Brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Hewer. Small businesses drive our nation's economy, employing about half of the country's private sector workforce. Here's coffee. Thanks so much. When you shop at local small businesses, you help the entire community thrive. Hello, I'm U.S. Senator Mike Enzi. I support local small businesses for the good of our community. Let's help our neighbors thrive. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. GAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. We had originally planned to have a, a spokesperson uh, for the Cheyenne Animal Shelter on at 11.05. We did have to postpone that. We're shooting for next week on that now. Of course, they're having funding issues with the city and the county. We're hoping to schedule that for next week. However, we have a great show for you today, even so, starting out with this interview with Amber Young, the head of the Laramie County Com uh, Combined Communications Center. Very interesting interview. I think you'll like it. Okay, welcome once again to Weekend in Wyoming. On this segment, I'm speaking with Amber Young, a director of the Laramie County Combined Communications Center. Thank you for calling in, Amber. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. First of all, what is the Laramie County Combined Communications Center? The Laramie County Combined Communications Center is the emergency communication center for obviously Laramie County, Cheyenne, Pine Bluff, Albin. We also do dispatch services for the Air Force and the National Guard. Um, some mutual aid with them. We take the 911 calls, we do the radio dispatching. We make sure our responders have the information to keep them safe when they're responding to help our community. So when somebody calls 911 for help, it's your folks they talk to then? Absolutely. I have my own story to relay on that. I, I think I told you about this on the phone yesterday a couple of years ago here in the A&B building where we work. I, I was doing weekend in Wyoming. I got off one day, went in the elevator to get down or go downstairs, and it got stuck. And, and let me tell you, I was a little paranoid. I'm stuck in a building uh, on a Saturday afternoon. The place is empty. I don't know when anybody's going to be in here. I'm trying to figure out what I can do. So I, I fortunately had my cell phone with me, and I dialed 911. Now, I should qualify. I learned later there's an intercom system on the elevator. I didn't know that. But I did call 911, and I have to say the lady I talked to, and I have no idea who she was, but she was wonderful. I, I was a little panicked. I was. I'll, I'll admit that. But she was very professional, very helpful. Uh, she got the fire department out here. They got me out. I was maybe slightly embarrassed, but uh, I have high praise for whoever it was I spoke to because she did a wonderful job. That's really good to hear. We expect that from all of our employees, so we appreciate that. Thank you. How many calls do you typically handle, say, in a day, or does it vary a lot? Um, our average calls per day is about 366. So that's a lot. Yes, yes. And we have four dispatchers on duty at a time. So it's four people. They are all answering calls and working the radio at the same time. 
So, for instance, the Gordon fire the other day, we had 38 calls from 6.45 to 7 p.m., which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have four people taking those calls while talking on the radio and making sure our fire departments are safe, it can be a lot. So when those big incidents happen, it can be a little overwhelming on the floor. But they're trained and they're ready to handle and help and get those people the help they need. Is there any particular category that you get a lot of? I don't know, fires, people reporting crimes, anything anything that you really get an overwhelming number of? Um, right now, uh, we're doing pretty good for fires. I don't want to say that too loud and jinx us. <laughs> but um, usually this time of year, we're dealing a lot with the wildfires and the field fires that just kind of pop up. So we really like everybody to be cautious and make sure that they're taking care of their yards and their grass and trying to prevent those fires from sparking so now when somebody has to call 911 is there anything they should do to help you folks do your job a little better um, location is so important one of the misconceptions is that we have a magic box that just tells us where everyone is when you're calling from a 911 when you're calling 911 from a cell phone it gives us GPS coordinates but it doesn't zero in on your exact location. We have a general idea depending on how long you stay on the phone, but we don't exactly know where you are. So if you have an exact address or an intersection or something like that, that's so helpful because that's usually what ties us up is trying to figure out where our callers are. Now, I believe you're physically located at the public safety building commonly, commonly called the police station. Is that right? Yes, sir. We are on the third floor of the Cheyenne Public Safety Building. And I happened to tour your facility a couple of years ago, right when the uh, the the PD moved over there. I was I was pretty impressed. It looks like yeah, at least at that time had a lot of new equipment. Yes, yes, we do. We have a lot of new equipment with nine one one. Our technology is changing. We're looking at going into um, NG nine one one, which is going to help us a lot with those geographical issues with the cell phone coordinates and things like that. So. Technological-wise, we are doing fantastic. Right now, our big hurdle is staffing and trying to keep people and get new people in. It's not an easy job, and it's not for everyone. So finding those right people that are dedicated and want to do this and serve the public is kind of a challenge in today's era. So it sounds like you have some job openings then. Yes, we do. Yes, what, we. what are the qualifications? Um, you have to be able to type 39 words per minute. And... That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have someone screaming at you or you're answering the radio and you're really busy, we want you to be able to keep up with that. Um, you have to be, you have to have thick skin because people are calling us. They're not calling us to check on the weather or tell us to have a good day or say thank you. They're calling us usually in their biggest time of need, probably the worst day of their life. And that's an honor, but it can be a challenge and it's not a challenge that everyone is made for. So. That's our, our big challenge right now is hiring and getting the right people in here. How do you calm somebody down who's in a state of panic? Let's say they're in the middle of, a, I don't know, a fire, and, and they're just not even coherent because they're just babbling. How do you deal with that? Um, well, I've learned, I've been doing this for 19 years, and I have learned that if you take your volume down, some people tend to yell back and get excited and get sucked into that. Mm -hmm. If you take your volume down just a little bit, the caller has to tone it down also to hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. They want help. They just, they're excited. They've got this going on and they're trying to figure it out. So taking your volume down, using a calm tone of voice, getting their name immediately and using that repeatedly through the conversation, kind of taking them out of that moment a little bit, 
and just being there with them, listening to them and trying to, I don't want to say mommy them, but a little bit. You kind of sometimes have to get your mommy voice out. <laughs> Do you ever have a hard time discerning what it is they're trying to say? Yes. Yes, we do when they, they get very excited and, it, you know, some people talk fast when they're super excited and that's what our people are trained to do. They're trained to calm those folks down, get them to kind of take a breath. Listen, I'm asking these questions not because I'm nosy, but because we're trying to get you help and this is what I need to help you. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember a few years ago, and this is I don't, maybe five years ago, um, they put out a message. They were asking people... Uh, how can you put this, to choose what items really needed to be an emergency. I guess at one time people were calling you asking about what time the Bronco game was on, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Is, is that still an issue? Not as bad as it had been. Um, when we first started with cell phones and that became huge, that was overwhelming. People were calling 911 for everything. I mean, when I first started in this business, I never would have called 911 because I locked myself out of my car. Mm-hmm people do that and we just have to work with them figure out if it's an actual emergency if it's not we direct them to the right people and make sure they get the help they need because regardless they still need help but we do still get some of those calls where oh really you called 911 for that <laughs> but it is our job and we want to make sure that we get those people at least directed to the people that can help them so what are the parameters what are the questions people should ask themselves before asking if they should call 911 is it life or death? Does it have to be life or death? Or Well, we take anybody that calls, uh, but we prefer, it, you, you, when you're calling 911, you're tying up a line that someone else could be needing. Mm -hmm. So we do have those non-emergency lines that you can call for those questions. Where do I pay my tickets, VIN inspections, that kind of thing. Those calls should be directed to the seven-digit number. The 911 calls usually, does someone need an ambulance? Is something on fire? Is there a crime in progress? Absolutely, those are 911 calls. Okay, I'm speaking with Amber Young, director of the Laramie County Combined Communications Center, the 911 center as people sometimes think of it. Now, I'm, I'm trying to recall here, it seems like a couple of years ago on the Sixth Penny ballot, you folks got a project approved. Am I right on that or am I confused? You are correct. Are you talking about the tower? Yes, I am. Yes. So what, what, what was that and how's it gone? That, um, that was getting a new tower out towards Harriman to help with the wind farm communications. When folks are out working on the wind farm, they were having trouble getting out on their phones, their radios. So that tower is actually still in progress. We're still working on finding a location for that tower, we believe we have one. We're in contact with Black Hills Energy, and we're working on getting that hopefully finished by the end of the year. Hopefully, but we are now on the right track. At least we have locations for it. <laughs> and that, that was a project that did go to the voters, and they said yes. Yes. Now, in terms of uh, the 911 center, do you folks handle the emergency sirens, the tornado sirens? We can. When um, Usually that's handled by EMA the emergency management agency, but mm -hmm. if they are unable to get to their offices for maybe a tornado or something of that nature, they can call us and we also have access to those. Now you also at the 911 center, you contact emergency responders, police, fire, whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Are there areas of the county where you have a hard time reaching them? Um, 
Yeah, out by Harriman Road, Fire District 8, uh, District 10. Those guys that are kind of farther out from the city, we do have a little trouble with them on radio transmissions, which hopefully this new tower will be a huge benefit for that and help us with that because the thought of a fireman having to go walk up to the top of a hill and get out on his radio to tell us that they need help is a little horrifying. Has that happened? It has not happened to my knowledge, but it's kind of a worst-case scenario, and it's one of those things that's in the back of our minds. So we want to get that done and make sure that they can get out when they need to. I'm curious about something, and this is just me out of my own curiosity, and I'm not even sure if it's something you dealt with, but we had the winter storm to end all winter storms in March. Did you yes. folks Did you folks get real busy when that was going on? Um, they did, but... Not in the way you would expect. There were people that were frustrated that they weren't able to get out. Um, our people were frustrated because they also were not able to get out. They were stuck here. And I hate to say stuck here because it's an honor to do this job, but nobody wants to do it for 36 hours straight. Understandably. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they were stuck here throughout the duration of the storm, and they did an excellent job taking care of each other, making sure our calls were answered. But throughout that time, it wasn't as busy as you would expect because most people were staying home. Well, yeah, and, and I, I'm sure there were some people saying, why isn't my street being plowed? Everybody yes, was kind exactly. of worked up about and that. And just so. for information, that is not a 911 call. <laughs> 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 or at least it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Do you guys have food on hand in case you get locked up like that, or how did you eat? Um, we have a fridge that we all keep our lunches in and, and you know, that we all share. And during that time, luckily, some of our fire departments were able to bring them food when our fridge became empty. But, um, yeah, they took care of each other that way. They kind of took lunches that were left in the fridge. And like I said, the fire departments came and brought them food. And that was very helpful. Did you have any logistical issues with weather preventing you from communicating? No. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, I'm speaking with Amber Young, director of the Laramie County Combined Communications Center. When we're talking about combined, uh, combined communications, what different entities do you guys work with? Um, we work with the fire departments, EMS. We work with Walmart Distribution Center. We, we work with just about anybody that would be involved in a major catastrophic incident. Like, we work with Walmart. If there was something terrible to happen and we needed water, we want to make sure we have a good relationship with them so that we can get that water out to the guys that are working said situation. Um, we work with all the police departments, the coroner's office, sheriff's office, Pine Bluff Police Department, EMS, AMR, Albin and Burns, Pine Bluff, EMS. And then for fire, we work with Cheyenne Fire and Rescue. Laramie County Fire, Warren Air Force Base Fire and Rescue, and Wyoming Air Guard Crash and Rescue. Wow, you guys have a lot on your plate. Yeah, yeah, it can, it can be pretty busy. <laughs> uh, again, just a curiosity question for me. You've said you've, you said you've been there 19 years. What's the biggest, craziest emergency you've had to deal with? I've, well, let me correct you a little bit. I've okay. been doing this for 19 years. I'm actually from Cincinnati, Ohio. And just moved here a year ago this oh, week. Oh, okay. So probably the winter storm was maybe the biggest one, I'm guessing. Yeah, the winter storm was an eye-opening experience for me. We had snow in Cincinnati, but not like that. That was uh, very foreign. <laughs> Is it any different doing this kind of work in Cheyenne as opposed to Cincinnati? Um, a little. 
the calls are a little bit different. There's more wildlife and livestock type calls and the wildfires, that's completely new to me. We didn't have that type of situations in Cincinnati. Um, but the crime was also a little higher in Cincinnati than it is here, so that's refreshing. How is your organization funded and how much money do you get to, to do things? Um, our organization is funded by the communities we dispatch for. We have contracts with Cheyenne PD, or, yeah, Cheyenne PD and their EMS, their Cheyenne Fire and Rescue. So we are funded by them with contracts through those communities. Now, you said you've been here about a year, so you may not have anything to compare it to, but I, I was curious how COVID has affected what you folks do, if it has, but you may not know that. Maybe you haven't been here long enough. Um, it has affected us in the sense of our medical calls have increased. Um, our staffing with the quarantining and things like that, we have to be very careful about making sure we don't get COVID in the center. So we have to be very cognizant of that. With that being said, wearing masks is... It, it challenges our microphones, so they can't wear masks while on the floor. Right. So we have to make sure that we are being very diligent about social distancing and things like that. So it has affected us in our call volume as far as our medical calls and our staffing. When we have someone who has a potential case of COVID, that takes us down, and we're already short nine. We have four on the floor at all times. So we have to make sure that we're keeping our staff healthy and that they're aware of their condition, if that makes sense. Potential scenario not relating to COVID, but just in general, and, and this it's a sad situation, but I'm sure it's something that, that you face sometimes. Let's assume that somebody's with a family member or friend, they think the person's going to commit suicide. Do they call you up? Yes. And what should they do? They should stay with them. Don't, don't leave them by themselves. If they're threatening suicide, you should call 911, keep them talking to you, let us know. Most important is knowing where they are so that we can get help to them. Mm -hmm. And we will talk you through that. That's one of, honestly, suicidal calls are probably one of the ones that I'm most passionate about because of my history with those calls and some of the things that I've been through personally in my life. So we have extensive training on how to handle suicidal callers and people that are calling about someone in their life that is threatening suicide. We walk them through how to take care of them, how to make sure they're okay, making sure that they don't have access to weapons, making sure the scene is safe for our responders, and then we send them medical help and an officer to make sure everyone on scene is safe. Do you get a lot of those calls? Um, Fair amount? Fair amount lately, yes. Uh, last year, I would say we got a lot more because I think with everyone, everything being shut down, everyone's kind of stuck in their home and their summer by themselves, and they get very depressed. So, last year was kind of hard for those kinds of calls. We we definitely saw an increase in that. Now, I've heard people say of potential suicide victims, "Oh, they always threaten that. They're just talking." Really, you need to take it seriously, don't you? Every time, anytime someone says that, it should be taken seriously. Even if you think it is just a call for help, maybe it is. Get them that help. <laughs> Don't take chances. Exactly. Okay, another potential scenario, and this does relate to COVID, but let's say there's an older person in our community. Maybe they don't drive anymore. Maybe they don't have a car. They think they have COVID. Should they call you up? Um, no. Not necessarily. They should call their medical care provider 
if they need transportation to the hospital, we can absolutely get them an ambulance. But those are more for situations where you are unable to get a hold of anybody, you have no transportation, and you can't breathe. I always fall back on the trouble breathing. If you are having trouble breathing, you should call 911. If you could pass out at any moment, we need to know where you are and we need to be able to get you that help. So you deal, you do deal with that in a real emergency situation? Absolutely. Now, uh, Laramie County Commissioner Linda Heath suggested this interview. Uh, she thought it'd make a good interview, and it has. She told me that one thing that you guys are doing is a public education program, but she didn't really tell me what. What's that about? Well, hopefully, COVID aside, this year we want to come out to the schools and teach little ones about how, when, and why to call 911. Make sure that they're educated because you'd be surprised how many children have to call 911. They have parents that have medical conditions. They have something going on in the home. Maybe there's a domestic between the parents and they need police. And these little ones don't necessarily know how to do that. So we want to teach them why they should call, when they should call, and how. Show them step by step. Give them a little quiz at the end if this is happening. And we have little cartoons that they, you know, we kind of make it a little funny for them. Would you call 911 for, you know, the McDonald's burglar breaking in somewhere, something like that. So we want to make sure that those guys are ready. We also want to get out into the community so that people know who we are and what we're doing. We want to humanize the headset is what I call it. We're getting ready to do some social media so that everybody can see who our people are, what they're spending their time away from, what their passions are, and a little bit about the worst calls they've taken and some of their most pride, the things they're most proud of, because we all have that one call where you know you made a difference, you know you saved someone's life, and sometimes that call is the one you hold on to to keep getting through the day. Can you tell us about a call that, that you really feel like you made a difference with? Um, I had a 15-year-old girl who had just moved to Cincinnati. She called because she found her mother deceased. Oh, her no. mother had committed suicide. And um, she was pretty far out, so it took responders a while to get to her. And like I said, she was 15 years old, so we first tried CPR. It was clear mom was gone and there was nothing we could do for her. So it then became about the caller. So you're 15, so I want you to get away from this. I want you to step outside on the porch. Who can I call and who can I get to come and sit with you? Do you have an aunt nearby or someone that can come and be with you through this? You're only 15. Keep in mind, she's just a kid. Right. So she said she had no one. Her mom and her had just moved there. Her father was, I think it was 1,200 miles away in another state. So I stayed on the phone with her until the officers were with her, which it seemed like forever, but it was five minutes. And I just, I talked to her and then I got permission from my then director to send her a letter and say the things that I would want someone to say if something were to happen to me, to my child. And she actually wrote me back years later and told me that she read that letter many times and that she was in college now and was doing really well. So I still have that letter and I keep it with me sometimes as a reminder of why I'm here and why I do this. Oh, wow, that, that's powerful stuff. Amber, I've asked you questions for the last 22 minutes. Is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners about uh, the Combined Communication Center, 911, emergency services that they don't know or that you'd really like to emphasize? Well, um, just 
know that we're here for the community and also for our six penny ballot this year we're putting we're going to be going around the community and talking about it but we're pushing for smart 911 what smart 911 is is you can create your own profile it's free to the users the community pays for it and you can put in say you live in a three-story home you can put that your children are on the third floor east side that way if there's ever a fire we know where to go first you can put medical conditions. If someone in the home has asthma or they're allergic to latex or something like that, you can put that information in your profile. If you have a house full of teenagers, everybody has their own cell phone, you can link all those cell phones to your residence so that, say, God forbid, your teenager's out driving one night and they're in an accident, they call 911 and it goes dead. We know where to start the search to make sure that they're okay. You can put as much or as little information as you want to in Smart 911, and we don't have access to it unless you call 911. So I know we have conspiracy theorists that are picturing dispatchers scrolling through what they think would be like Facebook, but it's not like that at all. And it's also helpful if there's ever a situation where you can't talk, maybe you're having trouble breathing or something like that, we can initiate a text to you. Say you text your family member and you say, I need help. We can, they call us, they tell us, we need you to go check on this person. They texted me, they said they need help. We can pull your phone number up and text you. We can initiate that text, which for text to 911, we only get it if you text 911. With Smart 911, we can reach out to you and initiate that conversation from our end. Okay. Was that it, or did you have more on that? Oh, no, no, that that's it. And like I said, we'll be coming out to the community and teaching everybody about Smart 911. You can put your livestock on there. You can put your pets, your cars. If something were to go wrong and someone stole your car, we would have that information. If you have um, family members that have Alzheimer's or autism and they wander off, you can put their pictures on there, and we can have that to the responders before they get there to have to talk to you meaning the days of we need to have the picture of your child so we can go look for them, we can already be looking for them before we get there. We have that picture. We can send it out. They're already looking for them while we have another officer coming to talk to you to get more information. Prescription products require an online consultation. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. My husband's ED was affecting our marriage. When he first started experiencing ED, it was difficult for both of us. We didn't know who to talk to about it or where to get help. Hims was our answer. Hims connected my husband with a licensed provider online. He was able to get medication to treat his ED at a fraction of the price people pay for the name brand. It was delivered to our door, and guess what? Our sex life is back. It works. Right now, get your first online provider's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash joy. Yep, free. No copay, no expensive appointments, and no awkward face-to-face -face conversations. Just the care you need. Thanks to Hims, we got our sex life and our marriage back. To start your free online visit, go to this exclusive address, 4hems.com slash joy. That's 4hems.com -E slash radio. Listenlively.com slash R-A-D-I-O. 
Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. Brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Hewer. Once again to Weekend in Wyoming, I'm speaking with Taylor Albert, Executive Director of Needs Incorporated. Uh, thank you for calling in, Taylor. We do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Doug. I'm excited to be talking to you. Now, first of all, I think most people have probably heard of Needs Incorporated. If they're, uh, you know, if there's someone who's lived here for a while, maybe some people haven't. What, what exactly is Needs Incorporated? That's a great question. Needs Incorporated has been in Laramie County since 1972. Currently, we are a food pantry, a free clothing store, and a low-cost thrift store. And I was looking at your numbers from 2020 on your website. I was frankly amazed at the number of people you helped. For example, uh, if, I, if I understood the numbers correctly, you gave clothing to something like 25,000 people last year. Is that right? Yes, it is. We are lucky to live in a community that's very generous in their donations and we work hard to get those donations back to our other community members who need them. 25,000 out of a population that according to the census just topped 100,000. That's one in four people. Yep, and anyone can access that free clothing store. It's a resource that should be available to anyone who needs it and we really strive to make that available we have increased our hours Monday and Tuesday. We're open until 6 p.m. Um, and that's really to help people who are working access those resources. And where are you located for those who don't know? Yeah, we're located right at the bottom of the viaduct, so 900 Central Avenue. And what, what, okay, now, first of all, you have, you also have a food pantry too. So maybe we should go through all your functions. What, what's the, what? yeah, that's great. That's, um, that is our big mission is food security for Laramie County. We have our physical location, but we also do weekly distribution in Albin, Wyoming and Birds, Wyoming. So how does somebody who might need food, how do they access that? So what we found is that people don't fit into little boxes. It'd be really nice if they did, but. The need in our community is all along the spectrum. So you can come in with nothing and we will make sure that we get you food all the way up to, we have a monthly food box that is funded through a city and government grant, uh, federal government grant. And so that one requires a little bit more documentation, but if you have a photo ID, that is the best way to start and we can get you set up on some consistent food services. Now you also have a couple other operations, am I right? Yes, we do. Tell us about those. Are you talking about the thrift store? Or? Yes. Well, I, I, I was looking on your website, and I, I don't have that pulled up in front of me, which I should. And I saw three or four different categories where you help people. Yeah. Okay. So the different programs that we offer um, throughout the year, right now we're doing Operation Back to School. We're headed towards about 700 backpacks for students in Laramie County. And then we also do a December holiday meal and a November holiday meal. And then we do adopt a family that is Christmas present assistance uh, for low to moderate income families in Laramie County. And then we have our thrift store and that has items all the way from free to about $5. Um, 
and those items are just things that get donated that we would like to get back to the community. A lot of pots and pans, plates, those types of things, um, if you're getting started with like an apartment or anything like that. Okay, let's talk about Operation Back to School since that's sort of topical. I know you guys do a collection every year. Uh, you collect yeah. uh, school items for school kids. Kids will be going back to school soon. Have you have you dispersed those items yet, or when is that happening? Great question. So we work with Laramie County School District Number 1 um, to get those items out. So clients of Think can pick them up at our location if they're registered for the monthly food box. But then social workers... Uh, work hard within their school communities to identify students that are in need of those items as well. And so that's the two ways that those supplies make it to students in need. And sometimes teachers notify you, am I right? Yes, that is true. We work throughout the year to provide clothing for students in school as well as school supplies. So we work pretty closely with social workers, uh, the PEEPS organization through the school district, as well as teachers to do that. Talking about 2020, I was looking at your numbers, and again, I, w I was actually quite surprised at how high some of the numbers were. Did COVID influence last year, and are we still seeing an impact from that? Absolutely. Um, I don't know anyone who could say that COVID hasn't influenced the last several months of their life, but we saw when COVID first started a huge dip in people accessing our services. There was a lot of fear um, about transmission of the virus. But then as things kind of settled a little bit, we went from about 31 households prior to COVID to about 81 households a day that we serve. So we're, we've seen a significant increase in, in people accessing our service over the past year. And sad to say, COVID seems to be making a resurgence. Have you seen an increase lately, if you know? Um, it's hard to say. A lot of factors determine if someone accessed our service, for example, we served 91 households this Monday, but part of that is because our school supply distribution began on Monday as well. So there's a few different factors. I definitely think that we'll be seeing the impact of the COVID virus on food security throughout our state for the next several months, and hopefully that wraps up soon. I think we're all hoping that. Um, but our game plan is to be ready for whatever comes. Now, as far as the items, say, in the food pantry, we'll start with the food pantry. How do you, how do you get those items? Do people make donations? Uh, do you get government funding? Uh, how does that work? Great question. It's kind of like a multi-legged stool. So we, we rely heavily on our community. Um, and luckily, they are incredibly generous to us and allow us to provide food um, throughout our community. We have grant funding that comes from foundations, um, other organizations in our community, national organizations, as well as government funding in the form of grant funding. Um, we are a recipient of HUD funding through the city of Cheyenne. And then we also work really hard um, to do what is called grocery rescue. And so we partner with Food Bank of Wyoming and we pick up food from the different uh, retailers as well as grocery stores for items that they have an abundance of, and then we're able to distribute those back to our community. Now, as far as food donations, I would assume we're mostly talking about canned and dried goods, things that will keep well, am I right? So I would say that mostly our private donations are non-perishable items, but our grocery rescue items are bread, eggs, meat products. Um, so it ranges significantly depending on where we're picking up those items from. 
Let's uh, let's give our grocery stores credit. Who helps out with that here locally? Yeah, so some of them choose to not be recognized, and so I'm going to honor that. Okay. The ones that are okay with that, it would be the Walmart on Livingston, Natural Grocers, and then the Come and Goes are, are a part of that program as well. But there are some others who would prefer to may, remain anonymous, and we'll respect that. Yes, so. and we really try to respect what our donors request from us. We couldn't do this without them, so keeping them happy is important for us. Taylor, if somebody wanted to donate to the food bank program, but they just wanted to give cash, can they do that? Absolutely. Um, we ask that if it's cash, let us know that you'd like that item to go to a certain program. But if it's a check in the memo line, you can put operation back to school, food pantry, and then we earmark that money directly for that program. Do you get a lot of those kind of donations? Yeah, especially during operation back to school, we receive many checks from individuals and they said operation back to school which was awesome last year we did about 400 backpacks and like i said this year we're headed very quickly to the 700 mark so that helps us a lot in terms of uh, food donations and understanding you do get some from the grocery stores but just for people listening out there uh, who actually want to donate food as opposed to say money are there any items you especially need right now yeah we're walking into the holiday season so we're looking for green beans Corn, canned soup is always really big for us. Um, those are the big items. And then we're always looking for peanut butter and jelly. Those are really uh, essential items for our, our food boxes. How about things like flour and cornmeal that are used to cook with? Do you take those kind of donations? We do. We ask that the items are within date. We don't give out any expired food. Right. Um, and that they're unopened as well. Okay. Obvious reasons for that. I'm speaking with uh, Taylor Albert, Executive Director of Needs Incorporated here in Cheyenne, Laramie County. And uh, I wasn't aware you'd been around since the early 70s. That's, that's quite impressive. Um, as, as far as your organization, tell us a little bit about that. How many folks do you have? Is it just you or do you have people who help out? Do you, do you need volunteers? Tell us about that. Oh, gosh, I think it'd be really tired if it was just me. We have an <laughs> amazing staff of seven people who make this happen every day. Um, we have a front desk individual we have two people running our pantry and they work incredibly hard we have two people running our donation area and they work incredibly hard across the board our staff works incredibly hard <laughs> and then we have a development coordinator and myself who run daily operations as well as some of the administrative tasks do you ever need volunteers to i don't know make deliveries or that kind of thing absolutely we love our volunteers we actually have a very strong base of volunteers that come in daily um, mostly in our donation area, there's just always items coming in. And the quicker we can go through those items, the quicker our community can get those back and use them. Um, but we also have pantry opportunities. We're currently in a remodel for our pantry and our cooler. So those are a little limited right now. But especially during the holidays, the holiday meal pass out is a really fun way to get involved and get really connected to what's happening in our community. Taylor, you mentioned your cooler, and this has been a while, maybe a year or so, maybe not that much, but I remember some of our folks were on location at Needs Incorporated, and at that time you were having some cooler issues. What's going on with that? So I am happy to report that we very quickly raised the money, and then we had to do the permit side of things, and we started August 2nd on getting that cooler demolished and the new concrete is going in tomorrow and then the cooler will be completely installed on September 6th. The other cooler was having 
some ceiling issues. So, and by ceiling, I mean the seams of the panels weren't sealing very well. And that was causing the food temperature to be a little inconsistent. And we really have to make sure the standard of the food we're putting out is safe and accessible for our community. So we made that a priority and our community stood with us. We also received a CARES Act grant for, for that project as well. And as I recall, that cooler wasn't cheap. So it's pretty impressive that we're able to get together and get that taken care of. And how quickly it came together. I, I cannot tell you how amazed I was and grateful. It's amazing that it's happening at all. But as quickly as that project came together, it's, it's a humbling thing to see a community come together that quickly in, when we're in need. Admitting here that I'm a little biased because I live in Wyoming, but I've always felt people in Wyoming are, are maybe more generous than, than a lot of other folks. Do you find that to be true? Absolutely. I am married to an active duty military member. We've lived in a few other communities, um, and it is it is cool to be in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I have to say that. <laughs> Taylor, as far as back to your funding, do you get government funding at all? Yeah, so the HUD grant that we received through the city of Cheyenne is for food crisis food and then we also have a bus token when the bus is up and running which it hasn't been uh, since the onset of COVID. Is there any frame for that returning do we know or? Yeah the bus system's actually been doing something really cool. Um, you can schedule rides with them and it is free so we're just waiting for when they transition back to a paid system we will provide those bus tokens and they're actually bus passes um, as soon as that's up, back up and running. Taylor, for people dropping by your facilities to either make donations or apply for help or whatever, do they need to wear a mask right now? We're encouraging people to do what they think is best. We don't want to put any barriers between people and food assistance or clothing assistance. So we're following the guidelines that are set out by our community. How are we doing here in Cheyenne in terms of our economy? I, I, I know you're not an economist, but you probably have your your thumb on the pulse a little bit in terms of need and that sort of thing because you are needs incorporated how are we doing are, are times hard here are we doing okay things getting better worse or do we know i'm definitely not an economist and i'm going to leave that to the people who who spend their days doing that i will say that the housing crisis that we're facing is having a big impact on the communities that we serve we're really looking forward to to the task force that the mayor's put forward coming out with some recommendations on that. And I'm appreciative that our community is addressing that head on. Just in general, how bad is the housing issue here locally? Is it bad or, or not that bad? I think it's pretty, pretty concerning. We have a lot of people coming in saying that they have the money for rent or um, they're ready to rent. They have the voucher from the housing authority. And unfortunately they're just not able to find housing that suits their needs. So we're hearing that quite often. And honestly, that's how we, like you said, keep the finger on the pulse of what's happening is based on what our clients are telling us. And I'm hearing that pretty often in our front lobby. Tell us about that housing task force that's being formed. I know a little bit about it, but maybe our audience doesn't. Just tell us what you know about it. Can you give that to me one more time? I'm so uh, sorry. The, 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 the housing task force, what's going on with that? Are they up and running yet? What, what are they doing? Yeah, my understanding is they are up and running and they're doing some really great conversations at this point. I'm hoping to get a recommendation from them for our community 
here shortly. I know that some wonderful people are on that. Brenda Burkle from My Front Door is heading up that task force, and she's a rock star, so we're really lucky to have her doing that for us. Now, you, you mentioned that a lot of people aren't able to find housing that meets their needs. Are we talking about housing they can afford or housing that's large enough or housing that's within uh, their transportation ability? Or what are we talking about with housing that, uh, that doesn't meet their needs and maybe what we need to look at? So the conversations we're hearing are all of the above. So okay. the size of housing as well as the cost of housing um, tend to be the reoccurring issue. But also location, if you are a single car household and you have two people who work, being in a location that gets you to your paying job is important. Um, so a lot of those things are, are in play. Now, Taylor, I've been by your facility and, and I notice you have notes on the door, don't leave donations sitting outside. Is that something you want to tell people about? Yeah, unfortunately, that is an issue that we are combating more and more in the summertime. Um, unfortunately, when items get left out our door, um, I know the intention is very good to get those items to us and then to community members who need them. However, people tend to go through them and then strew them along our building, which increases trash in our area. We take keeping our neighborhood clean very seriously um, and we don't want to cause additional problems for our neighborhood. We want to be a positive in this area. So we really are encouraging people to call us if our donation times don't work out. Um, we are open till six o'clock on Monday and Tuesday, and hopefully that's helpful. And then there's also other donation areas in our town, uh, Goodwill, St. Vincent de Paul, um, several others that take items when we are not open. So we're encouraging people to access those options as well. Is there anything, clothing, food, whatever, that you really need right now in terms of donations? I think we're definitely gearing up for winter. so. Socks are super important and often get left out of, of the winter conversation, but socks, winter jackets, gloves, hats, um, pants that are a little bit thicker, all of those are really important going into the winter season. Um, and so we're really hoping to get some of those coming in here shortly. Underwear, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. We ask that it has not been worn before. It doesn't need to be in its original packaging, but clean and unused underwear is always a huge need for us. Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Taylor Albert, Executive Director of Needs Incorporated. Taylor, I've been asking you questions for the last 18 minutes. Is there something you would like to discuss or you'd like to tell our audience that we haven't covered? Doug, I think you put me through it. I think you got all of it. Okay. Well, just reiterating one more time, people can do, make donations when and where. We are at 900 Central Avenue where you can mail donations in. And if you're interested in volunteering, Click the volunteer uh, tab at www.needsinc.org. And you can also donate by check. And if you choose to earmark that uh, you want the money to go to, say, the food pantry program or something like that, you can do that as well. Perfect. That was exactly right. <laughs> okay. Taylor, anything else you'd like to mention before we close it up? No, I really appreciate you giving us this opportunity to talk about needs. And I also appreciate our community coming together and they always answer our call so i would take this moment to say thank you okay i'd like to thank my guest on this segment of weekend in wyoming i've been speaking with taylor albert executive director of needs incorporated thanks taylor minimums and is dropped off right at your door by local wyoming roasted coffee at snowyelk.com who do i perform for 
I perform for all the awesome composers whose music deserves to be heard. I perform for all the stagehands who make sure I never miss a cue. I perform for our high school choir director who taught me to breathe from the diaphragm and sing from the heart. Speech, debate, theater, music. The performing arts teach valuable life lessons that typically aren't taught in the classroom. They help high school students learn leadership skills that prepare them to enjoy more satisfying, productive lives. I perform for Mrs. Evans, my high school debate coach, who has helped me become more confident than I ever dreamed possible. This message presented by the Wyoming High School Activities Association and the high school in your community. Hey, I've got a question for you. Who will you perform for? This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Um, yeah, I have questions. Prescription drugs aren't as bad as street drugs, right? Weed's legal, isn't it? Drinking is worse than smoking weed. Isn't it? Why is heroin I so addictive? Molly just makes you feel happy. I have questions. Mom? Dad, did you ever try drugs? They're going to ask. Be ready. Go to drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for Drug-Free Kids. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Coming up at 12.05, we'll speak with the uh, director of the Wyoming Association of Retired Persons, Sam Shumway. Uh, We'll talk about COVID in the resident homes, uh, the nursing homes, that is, around Wyoming. Also talk about some common scams. That's coming up at uh, roughly 12.05. Coming up at uh, 12.33, we'll chat with uh, Cody Tucker of 7220 Sports about the upcoming Wyoming Cowboy uh, football season. That's uh, coming up your way about 12.33. So good to have you along here on a Saturday. Nice day outside, sunshine, not so oppressively hot. I don't know about you. I don't really do 95 degrees real well. Being a Wyoming person, more used to the cold weather. Some people love the heat. I'm not one of those folks, but to me today is just about perfect and uh, like to thank you for tuning in again uh, we will uh, talk with the uh, folks from the Cheyenne Animal Shelter we believe next Saturday we had that scheduled for this morning we had to postpone that but we think we'll be speaking with them next Saturday about uh, the situation at the animal shelter, uh, the funding uh, conversation with the city of Cheyenne and Laramie County. And uh, that's coming up next week. Also next week, this is kind of interesting. Nick, the motor guy is going to join us next Saturday from 11 to 1130. We're going to talk about the future of cars in this country. Is it gas? Is it, is it electric? Uh, Nick's the guy who knows. Uh, he'll be coming up. He'll actually be staying over an extra half hour after his program on Saturday uh, to talk to our, our audience at 11.05 to roughly 11.33. I think that'll be a fascinating program. I recently, on my personal Facebook page, asked if electric cars are the future. Everybody seems to have an opinion on that. Nick is probably the most informed opinion. We'll talk to him about that, and that's coming up here next week on Weekend in Wyoming. KGAB Orchard Valley Cheyenne, K258DN Orchard Valley. Breaking news, weather, sports, and talk. A Town Square media station. The thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking. I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes, ashtrays, and lighters. I started exercising instead of smoking. Getting support from friends online kept me on track. 
Staying away from alcohol when I was first quitting was key. Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk. I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything. Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went to places that were smoke-free. I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried. I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes. No matter how many times it takes. I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it. So can you. You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses who work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. We're all part of your community. We all play a role in keeping our community safe. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station coming up on a news and information break. And uh, after that, we'll chat with uh, Sam Shumway, executive director of the AARP in Wyoming. I have a hard time saying that for some reason. The AARP of Wyoming. He'll be with us at 12.05 talking about COVID and its impact on nursing homes and also some scams. And the scam thing really is not just about senior citizens. They apply to just about anybody. Thanks for joining us. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program on Chan's number one news talk radio. To get Americans out of Afghanistan. I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby is not ruling out sending U.S. forces outside the Kabul airport to find people and get them out of the country as quickly as possible. We're fighting against both time and space. That's the race that we're in right now. And, um, and uh, we're, we're trying to do this as quickly and as, as safely as possible. Earlier this morning, the U.S. Embassy in Kabul issuing the following warning, telling Americans not to go to the airport and to avoid airport gates at this time unless you receive individual instructions from a U.S. government representative to do so. Just yesterday, President Biden said the evacuation was going well and said Americans were having no problems getting to the airport to escape. Lawmakers on Capitol Hill say Biden's Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said Americans have been beaten, some of them going to the airport. Fox's Lucas Tomlinson reporting from the Pentagon. The White House says President Biden no longer will travel to Wilmington as planned, but it did not give a reason. President Biden has been briefed on Hurricane Henri, which is about 200 miles off the coast of North Carolina, but heading north toward Long Island, New England. National Hurricane Center Director Ken Graham warning people to make preparations now. Tropical storm force winds, well, they could arrive tomorrow morning. Sunday morning, those winds will be spreading towards Long Island. I'm starting to get into Connecticut with time. 
you got to have stuff wrapped up today. Henri was upgraded this morning from tropical storm status. New England hasn't taken a direct hit from a hurricane since Hurricane Bob in 1991, a Category 2 storm that killed at least 17 people. In Northern California, crews are digging containment lines ahead of anticipated high winds that could worsen about a dozen large wildfires. At least 700 homes have been destroyed and thousands remain under threat. Ten national forests have been closed. America is listening to Fox News. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. What are the most important issues facing Americans today? Every Monday, join me, Brett Baer, Chief Political Anchor and Anchor and Executive Editor of Special Report, and my rotating all-star panel of experts as we discuss the policies, practices and solutions to the biggest and most important issues of the day. You can hear new episodes every Monday. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The Fox News Rundown is a weekday morning podcast that dives deep into the major and controversial stories of the day. Hosted by the anchors of Fox News Radio. Subscribe now to hear a perspective of news you won't find anywhere else. Listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen's reportedly told senior White House advisors that she backs reappointing Jerome Powell as U.S. Federal Reserve Chair. That according to a Bloomberg News reporter's tweet today, which said President Biden has not made a decision and will likely weigh in around Labor Day in early September. Powell has served as Fed Chair since early 2018. There's one more player in Florida's fight over masks at schools, the federal government. Fox's Jessica Rosenthal. The U.S. Secretary Secretary of Education says school districts that want to impose mask mandates on kids can use CARES Act or American Rescue Plan funds if the state of Florida penalizes them by keeping money from their districts. Broward and Alachua County districts have said they want mask mandates. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed an order banning mask mandates. For the federal government to come in and try to overrule parents' rights enforce mass on kindergartners, first graders, second graders. Uh, that's a massive overreach. The Florida Commissioner of Education has threatened to withhold funds in the amount of school board members' salaries for those that voted to impose mask mandates. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Former U.S. President Trump has another big rally on his agenda, this time in Alabama. Fox's Evan Brown reports. The former president, as usual, is expected to draw a crowd in Cullman, Alabama, north of Birmingham, and he's expected to further address what is being called a giant debacle, the U.S. exit from Afghanistan. It's a terrible time for our country. Mr. Trump spoke about it on the Fox News Channel this week. All of the years our country has ever been so humiliated, I don't know, would you call it a military defeat? or a psychological defeat. But a big question his followers would want answered is the one he keeps teasing he will soon. That is, whether or not he will seek the presidency a second time in 2024. And I'm Joe Chiro, Fox News.
Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. Brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Hewer. Hi everybody, I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy, I've been fascinated with animals, especially their tireless work ethic. Just look at birds who gather supplies to build nests or penguins who travel up to 500 miles to secure food for their families. This work ethic is shared by our best friends, canines who perform life-saving work every day. Dogs comfort returning veterans. They work with diabetics, alerting them when there's a change in their blood chemistry. Working dogs are valuable in many ways. So please join me and American Humane in supporting our heroic working dogs. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more. Right now, okay. I'm speaking with Sam Shumway, State Director for AARP Wyoming. Uh, Mr. Shumway, first of all, thank you for calling in. We do appreciate it. Um, we had a couple of different topics we wanted to uh, talk about. One of which was the AARP's nursing home dashboard for Wyoming. There are some concerning numbers here. Wyoming's four COVID-19 nursing home deaths over the four weeks ending July 18th have uh, given the Cowboy State the nation's highest COVID-19 nursing home death rate at 0.2 deaths per 100 residents. Why is our rate so high? Yeah, yeah, this is never something that we want to be number one in the in the nation in. Um, you know, your question of why it's so high, I think it's a function. There, there's a lot of things going on, but, you know, we're a small population. Uh, you know, we had four deaths over that four-week period. Um, and they measure it per 100 residents. I think that's part of it. You know, I think it may have something to do with, with our vaccine, va vaccination rates in, in our nursing homes. But, you know, I'm, I'm really, one of the things I wanna point out, some of your listeners probably don't even know about this COVID nursing home dashboard. Um, and so Doug, if it's all right, I'll give a little quick history on, on what this is. Is that sure, okay? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So you'll remember last summer, we were seeing some really bad outcomes in nursing homes. You know, with, you'll remember New York State was sending COVID infected patients back into nursing homes. This is one of uh, Governor Cuomo's great ideas, but um, not, to, not to throw anybody under the bus, but, uh, and we saw that and we said, that's, that's a big problem. Um, you know, and these nursing home residents, they were some of the most vulnerable. And also, unfortunately, some that we were worried were gonna be forgotten. And we were gonna have some really, really terrible outcomes, you know, like we saw in New York and some other states. And so we started started tracking um, nursing home outcomes to make sure that families with loved ones in these nursing homes would be able to know what was going on. We, you'll remember, people weren't even allowed to go inside. I do recall Nursing that. homes, and so, yeah. So we were looking at, you know, infection rates, death rates, um, access to PPE, staffing shortages. You know, our worry was that this, these were just going to be turned into morgues. I mean, it was it was a scary time. And so, back in back in the summer of 2020, we were uh, we started tracking this, and we we, we track it every four weeks uh, on a rolling basis. And we you know we collect the number um, the, the numbers from self-reported CMS data. Um, and um, I think you know I want to believe that we've done a good job of keeping this at the forefront, keeping the public aware of it. The other piece we wanted to the other reason we did this was for policymakers to make sure that they had the information they needed to to make decisions about. Uh, also, you'll remember at one time PPE there were huge shortages, and they were deciding how do we 
prioritize this and we wanted to make sure that the nursing homes were getting it and that um, that there was transparency. More recently, we've, we've started tracking vaccines. And, and so, um, you know, we see how many of the residents have received the vaccines and, and how many of the staff are, are vaccinated. So that's, that's kind of the background and, and why we started doing it. And, and yeah, this one, unfortunately, this most recent one, you know, put Wyoming at the top, top of the country in, in death rates, unfortunately. Now, you mentioned over the past four weeks, uh, we were 0.2 deaths per 100 residents. Has that been trending upward or downward through the course of the year? Are there any any trends that indicate where we're going with this? Yeah, as you can, as you can imagine, um, it, it, it's funny that you asked that. Um, it's been trending down, which is, which is a good thing. Uh, in fact, last sort of four-week cycle, not this one, but the one before that, uh, we got the we got the dashboard information. I talked to Tom, my communications director, and I was like, "Do we even send this out? This is kind of a non-story, because you know." And there are some states, Idaho, for example, has zero deaths, and so it has been trending down. One thing I want to point out, Doug, you know, this is this is the four-week period ending uh, July 18th, and mm-hmm. so you know, we're today we're in August 20th, and so we'll see. You know, we're going to get the next iteration of this dashboard, and I, I, I imagine it's going to trend up with the. Uh, with the Delta variant and with with some of those things, but it had been definitely uh, trending down both in deaths and in cases. Well, and again, our small population means even even a couple of cases can really uh, really impact the numbers greatly, as as you pointed out. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, now, on the, uh, also another problem here: just over thirty seven percent of Wyoming nursing homes reported staffing shortages. Uh, that's above the U.S. average for nursing homes, which was 23.7%. Is this just a reflection of the, the overall economic problem of finding people to work these days, or is, is there something else going on here? Yeah, this is not new to COVID. Um, I will share this with you, Doug. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw, but, you know, the president has issued a basically a vaccination mandate for nursing homes, mm-hmm. saying that any nursing home staff, uh, this isn't for the patients from what I understand, but staff have to get vaccinated. And if not, I'm assuming they'll be they'll be terminated, which I worry. It's going to make it worse. Make that. Yeah. Make it worse. And, and these folks that are going to say, well, that's great. You know, they couldn't just resign because they couldn't collect unemployment. And you have to understand these folks. This is a really hard job. These are these are CNAs making twelve to fifteen bucks an hour, um, and they're they're doing a really tough job. And if the federal government says you have to get vaccinated or you don't have a job, I'm, some of them may just say, okay, well, I'll go collect unemployment, like a lot of folks are doing. And so, I worry a little bit about that. I, you know, that said, if I was working in that setting with that vulnerable population, I would make sure I was vaccinated, and so that I didn't, you know compromise anyone's health in a, in a nursing home but but um yeah that's that's um that's another interesting sort of angle to this that staffing shortages may become more of a problem in wyoming and other states if a bunch of um you know the, that direct direct care worker staff decides i'm not going to invest in i'm gonna go collect unemployment or go work at walmart where i can make just as much and not have to deal with this stuff but I, although i think walmart may be right you know i it's an interesting time, Doug. Well, it's it's a tough question because I, I agree with you. I think we want these people vaccinated. 
Um, but if we're going to lose staff members, uh, only 51% of staff are vaccinated, according to your numbers here. Uh, that's below the national average of 60%. It's almost, it's almost between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, that's a, you know, it's, it's one of those things you don't think about sometimes. And, and, and Doug, I mean, there are real health risks to having staff shortages. This is why we're tracking it. If you don't have sufficient staff to go and help people, you know, go move around and go to the bathroom and go to eat and they're trying to walk around by themselves. I mean, a fall, a fall in that setting is basically uh, not to get too dire about it, but that's a death sentence. And, and so if you don't have sufficient staff, you know, you're you're putting your your folks at risk and so again that's why we were tracking and i hope you know i hope this doesn't this doesn't exacerbate that problem now on the other side over 88 percent of our nursing home residents are vaccinated we're in the top 15 in that category so there is some good news on the vaccination front sure yeah yeah and i think um yeah it's that that's a, that's a good thing and listen i you know this vaccination conversation as you know has, has become a hot button issue but um you know, and, and everybody needs to do what they think is best for themselves in consultation with their physician. But um, I, you know, I, I think, especially older folks, I mean, uh, yeah, they that are most vulnerable, if you're, or if you have, you know, health conditions that put you more at risk, I would, I would be getting the vaccine. So, um, but everybody needs to decide what they're going to do. Well, and highlighting how much of an issue this is in nursing homes, again, the numbers you gave me here, over 186,000 residents and staff of nursing homes and similar facilities have died from COVID-19. That's 30% of the national death rate. That's a lot. That's a concern. 30% of the total deaths, but nursing homes only represent 1% of the total population. And so it's a, there, there's a huge... Um, disproportionate number of deaths in nursing homes. And again, I've said it many times, this is why we're tracking this. This is why we'll continue to track it. Um, so that, so that those folks, I mean, and, and, you know, you don't know, I want to believe that through our, the transparency that we provided, uh, that through the accountability that we're creating for nursing homes through this dashboard, um, that that number is less than it would have been otherwise. I mean, I, I, it was especially early on. I mean, when you when we saw, you know, uh, New York State sending a bunch of COVID infected people back into a nursing home, and the bodies piling up, we were like, this this could be a huge. I mean, this could be a crisis, and it you know more so than just COVID itself. And so, um, while we've still seen a disproportionate number of deaths in nursing homes, I I, I want to believe that it's less than what it would have been had we not stepped up and started you know holding people's feet to the fire on this. Okay, Sam, before we move on to the, some of the scams you guys want people to know about, is there anything else in terms of COVID-19 and whamming nursing homes you'd like people to know or that you'd like to emphasize? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll just direct them to the website where they can go. There's a really accessible, you know, you can compare Wyoming and other states. You can look at the different areas, whether it's deaths or infection rates or, or vaccination rates. Um, if you go to aarp.org slash nursing home dashboard, aarp.org slash nursing home dashboard. You can go look at this data. And, and like I said, it's pretty, you know, sometimes diving into data can be uh, a little bit overwhelming, but this is visual and you can see sort of all of the states. And so it's interesting. Go look at it. I would encourage, uh, you know, anybody that's interested in this to go take a look at it. Sam, going a little off script here, but it's something that occurred to me. If, if we're somebody who has an elderly relative and we, we're thinking of, you know, maybe they have to go in a nursing home. Are there any things we can do to make sure that they 
get in a nursing home that's relatively safe in this regard? Are there any numbers available or are there things we can do? Yeah, that's a great question. And I want to say this, um, there are, our Wyoming's nursing homes are doing a pretty good job. I mean, we, we have this one number, that's not to say that our nursing homes haven't been very responsive and very um, careful about how they've approached this crisis. And so, there, uh, I mean, I would say 90, you know, uh, the vast majority of Wyoming's nursing homes are, are really doing a great job. One, one great resource that the state has is the state long-term care ombudsman. Okay. I don't know, you know, a lot of people don't know about that person. It's a free resource. It's, uh, her name is Patty Hall. Um, and then they have other sort of associate ombudsmans or whatever they're called, but they're connected to the nursing homes. If you have issues, if you aren't getting, you know, the answers that you need from, you know, if you have a loved one in a nursing home and you're getting the runaround or you're not feeling like they're being treated the way they need to be treated, you can call the state long-term care ombudsman. Um, they will get in touch with you and, and get in touch with the nursing home and, and facilitate getting, you know, whatever issue resolved. And so that that's a great resource. And also, you know, as, as like you said, as you're thinking about, you know, a family member transitioning or loved one transitioning into a nursing home, that's a great place to start with sort of what to expect, what do I need to know. Um, so, again, Patty Hall is the state long-term care ombudsman. And that sounds like a great resource even when hopefully this pandemic is over at some point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they've been around for a long time. Okay, Sam, we did want to let people know about some of the uh, some of the scams that are going on. You've been uh, trace or tracking some scams. One is a travel scam. And, yeah, some travel deals can be found online, but you've got to be careful. Uh, what should people look for if they're... You know, if they're if they're trying to find a good deal on travel online to avoid getting scammed. Yeah. You know, uh, Doug, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought this up. This is this is an ongoing um, and, and and sort of like the the nursing home issue. This is an issue that disproportionately impacts uh, older folks, and and there's there's reasons for that. They have more disposable income. They're maybe less familiar with technology, and the travel scam one is an example. You know, people will set up fake travel websites where it looks like you can get a trip to Bermuda for $59 and, uh, or, or wherever, um, and, you know, you just provide your, your information. I mean, it's a completely fake site, um, you, but, but, you know, it, it, but uh, if you're not able to recognize or at least be wary of too good to be true deals, uh, you know, you're just you. You're just looking for a great deal, and this is this is not just older people that could be anybody. You, you know that. I mean, it's anybody. Yeah, but uh, younger people maybe sometimes are a little bit more savvy to. Well, this doesn't look like a you know a, tra a traditional or a legitimate uh, travel website. Um, you know, you just you've just got to um, recognize. For, for one, if it's too good to be true, that's the old adage. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And mm -hmm. so, you know, with these travel deals, just you're not going to get a $59 trip to Bermuda, probably. Um, but I, one of the things that I'll say, and I say this all the time when I talk about these, these scams, if your, your sort of antennas come up and you're like, is this too good to be true? Or And they're going to put a ton of pressure on you, too. That's the thing. They're going to have a counter on there that says you have to take advantage of this deal in the next, you know, 10 minutes or it'll go away and you're not going to have it. And so you're going to be frantically typing in your credit card number to make sure that you get, you know, get in early and there's a limited number and all those, all those high-pressure sales tactics. And then the next thing you know, you're going to hit submit or confirm and you're not going to have a travel deal. You're going to have a compromised credit card and, 
and uh, and you're gonna that, you know that that that's a problem. Or if you, or, or worse, you're gonna give them your social security number and a bunch of personally identifiable information, and then your then your identity is at risk. And and uh, so you, you just got to watch for these things. Um, another another example. Oh, let me let me just say this. Uh, Doug, uh, go to the Fraud Watch Network. This is a free resource. It's available to anybody, AERP.org, Fraud Watch Network, or we have a free helpline, 1-877-908-3360, that you can call. We have experts on there. They'll say, no, that's not a legitimate site. Uh, here's what you need to do. And, and um, But these are all over the place. I mean, there, there, there's. I just saw one that's a work-from-home scam, a, a COVID scam. You know, people are, are, you know, we talked about these, these CNAs, these healthcare workers, you know, that maybe they get on and, they, and there's something that says they can, you know, do work from home, uh, you know, doing billing or data entry or something like that. They just need to get signed up and get their information in. Um, and, um, you know, the next thing you know, they're asking for you to pay, you know, a $19 registration fee or servicing fee to get started and all of your information's out there online and it's captured and, and you're, you're compromised. So um, it's tough. It's tough because these things are changing all the time. They get more sophisticated all the time. And uh, that's why the, this Fraud Watch network, network is so great because we have experts tracking it. And they'll send out watchdog alerts. These scams that we sent you, they, in the email in advance, they're, they're just the latest scams that we're seeing most prevalent you know, out on the internet. So um, you just gotta, knowledge is power here. Knowledge is safety. So. If you if you learn to recognize these scams, then you're, that's the best way to stay safe. Sam, I've also been told that if people are trying to rush you into a decision that you're not ready to make, that's a real red flag in and of itself. Huge red flag, and that's what they'll do. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna they'll, they'll do a couple of things. One, they're gonna try to endear themselves to you, especially with older folks. They're gonna right. say, "Oh, you sound like my grandmother," and um, and and they'll do things to make you really start to trust them. And then they're going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to keep you on the line. I'm going to walk you through this. We're going to go step by step. Uh, they've done things, Doug. They've done it as bad as, okay, I'm going to keep you on the line. We're going to drive down to, to Walmart, and you're going to buy a prepaid gift card uh, for $200 um, so that you can pay for this with a prepaid gift card. And they love the prepaid cards because they're impossible to track. Another red flag. A huge red flag, huge red flag. But, yeah, they're going to they're gonna use high-pressure tactics. They're going to use... Um, sort of trust building efforts uh and this is this is really common and and uh and unfortunately people are making billions of dollars scamming people and and it's not going away so just you just gotta you know i i know you guys have a lot of listeners just just if your gut says is this is this right call the fraud watch network call at 877-908-3360 um, and they'll walk you through it, and they'll say, no, that's not legit, or they'll say, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds like um, I think it's legit, and, and, and better safe than sorry. I mean, if it takes you an extra 10 minutes and you avoid losing thousands of dollars or having your identity stolen, it's worth it. Well, and if they're legitimate business people, despite what they may try to say, they'll be willing to wait a few minutes to get, to get you to sign on as a customer as opposed to trying to push you into something that you're not ready for. Totally, totally. Yeah, they're not going to have any issues with that. And and frankly, I mean, a lot of legitimate businesses, you initiate the contact with them. Right. Uh, they're not. They're not soliciting. I mean, there there are sales stuff that's legitimate, you know. But you you get these calls. Your warranty is expired on your 2006, or, or your warranty is expired, whatever it is. And uh, I've never had a legitimate 
call like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe some of them are, but I'm I'm like I just my warranty hasn't expired. Number one and number two, uh, I, yeah, I just don't take those calls. But but yeah, most legitimate businesses, you're calling them with an issue or a concern. Um, you know, doctors' offices and things like that reach out to you, but anytime they start trying to you know pressure you to give them payment information or personal information. The other thing that's funny is like these IRS scams. Oh, they're I've gotten that one. Your, yeah. Yeah. They're asking for your social security number. I'm like, you have my social security number. <laughs> You're the IRS. Why are you asking for this? And so any, any stuff like that, just, just hang up and, and uh, ignore it if you can. And then most people are, you know, people are becoming more and more savvy, but it's also, you know, they're, the, the, the consumers becoming more savvy, but the scammers are also becoming more savvy and sophisticated. So stay, stay in front of it. Speaking of the IRS scam, one thing that a lot of people may not know is the IRS, even if you do owe back taxes, generally does not call you. They'll send you a registered letter. Yep. And yep. Uh, I, I've gotten the IRS calls. In fact, I got one oh, about a month ago. And, and this lady was good. I mean, she was an American. She wasn't somebody who obviously had problems with the language. Uh, she, yeah. was, she was very persuasive, very friendly. I just happen to know, A, I don't, don't owe back taxes. Uh, but beyond that, I also know that they don't generally call you. They, they contact you by mail, and that's always something to remember. Sam, you mentioned the car warranty scam. I've gotten a bunch of those calls, too. One thing I've noticed with the car warranty scams, at least on the calls I get, they're spoofing these phone numbers. They look like they come from Wyoming. That's not necessarily the case, even if it shows up that way in your caller ID, right? It's rarely the case. Yeah, these are these are robocalls, and so they'll dial out, and it looks like it's coming from a 307 number. And, and, and that's the trust building that I talked about. You see that, you're like, well, this is, you know, this is a fellow Wyoming guy. I trust them. This isn't somebody in India. Right. Or, you know, and, and so um, you, you pick up or, and, and uh, yeah, it looks like it's coming from Wyoming. And, and um, it, it's really easy to do. It's really easy to get access to a Wyoming number. It takes about five minutes and, and then you can robo dial out. They have systems that call out to thousands of numbers and and while you're not picking them up and i'm not picking them up and i'm not or if i am i know that it's not legit the people are it's it's uh you know they're they're thinking oh well i can get a i need to extend my warranty on my car and so they call and and the people on the other end i'll tell you this i, I talked to um uh, uh i talked about this with uh, Don, uh glenn uh the other day but we have this great piece in our in our bulletin we you know we arp is a magazine we have a we have a bulletin it's this um, special investigative report on fraud factories. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. This stuff, it's, it's not some dude sitting in his basement, you know, dialing out numbers. The, this is, these scams are high, high tech. They're, they're sophisticated. They're, they're, they look like the old uh, telemarketing, you know, office buildings with cubicles and headsets and managers walking around. And these people, I mean, these people, and they, they, these are based in like India or, or these countries where these are originating, but it's, and it's crazy. They were able to access the closed circuit TV and see inside these these office buildings where they're running these scams. And it's it's a it's a, a high you know uh, high uh, tech operation with you know looks like a regular business. It's not amateur hour anymore. No, no. Sam, I've gone to so, I've gone to a policy of just not answering numbers I don't recognize. Is that a good approach? You know, I think it is, uh, it's, it's better than answering and, and getting stuck. But one of the things, uh, Frank Abagnale, who you remember the movie, I don't know if you remember, Catch Me If You Can, right. he, was the, he was the guy that ran all the scams, the, was an airline pilot and a lawyer and a doctor. 
he, you know, since changed his ways and became a fraud ambassador for AARP, and he worked for the for the FBI and the CIA and did, did a bunch of great stuff. Really great guy. We, we, we brought him into Casper a few years ago, and somebody asked about that, and he said, if you, here's the thing, if you just let it go to voicemail, then it detects as a legitimate number because it will get your voicemail and, and, and the system says, okay, this is a legitimate number, keep calling this number. Mm. One of the things that he said, and I don't know if this is right or not, I've tried both, but if you just answer it and you're silent, there's nothing there, then it won't detect as a legitimate number um, or, or it won't initiate the, the robocall dial, dialogue. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right thing to do. To, to, to definitely, I know the right thing to do is not to engage with these folks. As soon as you feel like, okay, you know, they're calling me because, you know, whatever, the IRS or Medicare or, you know, your car warranty. Social security. Engage. Social security, any, any, of, any of these things. Um, and, and we haven't even talked about, like, social media scams or some of the internet scams. So, yeah, just, just, um, just if you're, most of the time, more often than not, your gut's going to say, this, this doesn't seem right. When that happens, hang up the phone, call the Firewatch Network and, and the Firewatch Helpline and, and uh, make sure you're doing the right thing. Sam, we could probably continue this conversation, but unfortunately we're out of time. I, I want to thank you for calling in. I think some very valuable information. Again, where can people get information either on COVID or scams? Yeah. Uh, our, our Facebook page is the best place uh, uh, for both of those things. Um, we just go to AERP Wyoming uh, on Facebook, and you'll find our Facebook page. Follow us there. Uh, you'll get latest information on, on both of those things uh, and learn more about what all the stuff we're, we're working on here in Wyoming. Okay, great interview. I appreciate your time this morning, Sam. Thank you very much. Thank you, Doug. Have a good one. Sure. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. That interview that we recorded yesterday with Sam Shumway with the Wyoming AARP uh, talking about uh, COVID in nursing homes, also talking about some common scams and a little bit about their dashboards. So that was, uh, that was something that uh, we appreciate Sam Shumway calling in for yesterday. Just ahead, if you're a sports fan, hang around. We have Cody Tucker of uh, 7220 Sports previewing the Wyoming Cowboy football season. That's just ahead right here on Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, AGAB. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. Thank you for joining us. Come in from the heat. We have what's cool right here, Team Cheyenne. I'm A.J. Miller. We have the new 2022 Kia Seltos compact SUV at full price. All-wheel drive, responsive handling, and great fuel economy make this vehicle worth the adventure. Compare standard features for the money with other brands in its class. Come into Kia of Cheyenne, call 775-0123 or go 478-55 or take the free scan at reputationdefender.com. Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. The easiest purchase you'll ever make. All roads lead to bobruartmotors.com. We'll see a stiff southerly breeze here this Saturday across the Cheyenne area. Winds 15 to 30. Skies mostly sunny. Highs upper 70s. Cannot rule out an isolated shower. Brief thunderstorm this afternoon. Lows near 50. Little warmer. Continued breezy to a little windy and sunny and dry for your Sunday. High temps. Low to mid 80s. I'm meteorologist Mark Huer. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. It was very hard for me, but Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. At age 47, Marco finished his high school diploma. 
50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. And welcome once again to Report to Wyoming. We're going to do a sports segment this time around. I have Cody Tucker. Cody, our sports guy. You've got a podcast. You've got a website. Tell us all about it. Yeah, you can see if, if you love the Wyoming Cowboys, check out 7220sports.com. We're also on Twitter at 7220sports and then, of course, on Facebook as well. So make sure to download the app. Scout everything on it, man. Those things are sweet. Yeah, and one thing that you guys do, you always have fresh stuff. You don't just rehash stuff from no. a year ago. No. Uh, I'm, maybe my wife accused me of writing a little too much. <laughs> I think I'm on story 30 already this week, and it's Thursday. Or yeah. it's Friday. See? It's Friday, I don't yeah. even know what We're day recording this for Saturday. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, you just completed your top 50 players. Number one, Marcus Harris, wide receiver. Great player, obviously. Uh, he was so special to me. Um, that was my, you know, I was like 12, 13 years old in 96 when he was just tearing it up. And I wrote it in the column today that uh, Saturdays were for Marcus Harris and Sundays were for John Elway, and that's where where I kind of had those two were neck and neck in my life as far as being iconic sports figures. So Marcus Harris, if I recall correctly, went to the NFL with the Jets. Uh, that was Ryan Yarbrough. Ryan, um, I always get those guys mixed up. Yep, Harris went with the Lions, but That's didn't, right. uh, didn't make it through camp. So uh, not not uh, not a great NFL story for Marcus. But, uh, but these he, were the college rankings. Oh, totally. Yeah, we just had nothing to do with the NFL and, and what he did in the uh, college game, especially following Ryan Yarbrough, who did break all those national records. Right. Then Marcus, in just three years, came in and shattered all the Ryans. So well, special was guys. A, was this a hard list to come up with? It was because, you know, you're not going to make everybody happy. And, and there's uh, 124 years of football at Wyoming. So um, what I did was put a panel of five people together, and I wanted a guy who watched football in the 60s and 70s. I wanted a guy who watched it in the 80s, 90s. And then, of course, when I was coming up, my first recollection really was... Yeah, my first recollection of uh, a star in Laramie was really Mitch Donahue. Uh, Mitch, and then it went right to Ryan Yarborough, and right to Ryan Christofferson, and then right to Marcus Harris. And they used to have a slogan in, in Laramie in those days called uh, Cowboy Fever, and uh, I had it. <laughs> this little guy had it. So Marcus Harris means a lot to me. Where'd Josh Allen finish in your list? Um, I can't remember right offhand, Doug, but he was top 10. Well, I would expect he would be. Uh, yeah. Which brings me to another topic. We're carrying the Bills games on KGAB this fall. Yeah. Yeah. It. You know, I, I've had some actually some blowback this morning on that. Uh, it's a big deal. As you know, Doug, it's a big deal to have a quarterback who's an MVP Candidate who's the franchise, the face of a franchise, and 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 Buffalo of all places, which you know really kind of kindred spirits, right, with, mm -hmm. with Wyoming and the fact that they have three Wyoming Cowboys on that team is uh, pretty special. And who are the other two for those who don't know? Uh, Tanner Gentry's at wide receiver, and Jake Hollister is. Uh, I didn't. Just got picked up in the offseason. Yeah, and Jake Hollister did pretty well with Seattle the last couple mm -hmm. of years. I was surprised that they let him get away. But uh, Yeah, he's a solid, solid outlet. He was a big-time outlet for Josh in college, too. Cody, the main reason I, uh, I invited you to talk to us today was we wanted to talk about the outlook for the Wyoming Cowboys 2021 football season. We were just chatting off Mike. You have a pretty good feeling about this year. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I would have a good feeling about it anyway as, as somebody who covers this team and somebody who's, uh, you know, obviously lives in this state and has followed this team my whole life. Uh, but the the players have a different feel about them. The, I've never heard them mention the word championship so much in my life. Of course, that's always the goal, but mm -hmm. now 
it's talked about every single day and to hear the players and the coaches talk about it and Craig Bowl said something in one of it he had a really emotional press conference at the end of a really tough 2020 season and he said it's time to kick the damn door down mm -hmm. and uh, you can tell that that motto has really made its way through that locker room and it went all the way through winter conditioning and uh, you know they have 95% of their roster back from last year a team that last year was picked to, to do some things it was a weird year last oh, year yeah. it played out but. totally and we talked about that a little bit yeah it was a, it was a terrible year in so many ways but then it was a great year in the fact that look who Chad Muma for instance stepped in for Logan Logan Wilson who's doing great things with the Bengals right mm -hmm. now. We know Chad is a bona fide star now. Just from six games last year, we mm -hmm. saw. Uh, Asias Gandy stepping in on the back end for uh, Elijah Halliburton. Didn't skip a beat there either. And then got guy, young guys like Jordan Bertinelli and Gavin Meyer in on the, you know, it was a necessity last year. But now those guys, you know, the growing pains, which there weren't even many, really. But now, those guys are veterans all of a sudden. And they have their year back. And Chad Muma's on a watch list for a couple of big awards. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's a... He's a stud. He's a really good football player, and and he kind of just got backlogged, you know, because of Logan Wilson. You know, you weren't getting, you weren't going to get in the starting lineup as long as Logan Wilson was roaming middle linebacker spot in Laramie. Now it's also been long enough at this point. Craig Bull has his program in place, has the people he wants. He instills toughness. Yes. Uh, he values certain things that he really looks for in a player. Tell us about that. Yeah, so Craig, he, he doesn't change much, and that's what's really kind of encouraging going into this year, I think, if you're a Wyoming fan, because he hasn't changed, but he's motivated. Mm -hmm. He's not happy at all about the way last year went. Also, this is kind of following the traje trajectory of his stint at North Dakota State. You know, it, he didn't win a title there until 2000, or nine years, mm -hmm. and this he's going into year eight right now in Laramie, so uh, obviously we, we all saw what he did in Fargo, winning three straight titles uh, before coming to Laramie, so... He's just, there's that extra motivation there, and he's, uh, it, there's just a different feeling around camp. And I know that could be easy to say because last year camp was a total nightmare and they had to stop it and restart it and all that stuff, but uh, there's something different. There really is, and I've asked every one of them about it, and they all feel it. Uh, he's got a couple of new coaches on the staff that are bringing some serious energy, especially offensive coordinator Tim Polisek, So New play caller this year. Yes, yep. He's a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, Brent Vegan was with, Coach Bull for 17 years, and he was with Coach the first seven years in Laramie. Now at Montana State, I yeah, think. which of course is Wyoming's opening game. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, I think it's. Um, I think that they needed a new voice. It just they needed recharged, re-energized. Um, and and I'm not bashing on Vegan and and Craig Bull certainly wouldn't. They're really good friends, but just needed freshened up. The word I keep hearing from players is emotion, energy. I didn't hear those words last year. I didn't hear them the year before either. So, you know, it seems like everybody's just kind of got their batteries recharged. Everybody was pissed off about the way last year went. And just for you who uh, who don't follow this or who've forgotten, they were 2-4 and four last year, and they didn't feel that was reflective of the team they had. No, and, and losing to Colorado State for the first time in five years. Uh, in an empty stadium. <laughs> losing it was to, just a weird year. Yeah, losing to a New Mexico team that had lost 17 straight games in a row, and they were living out of suitcases in Las Vegas and hotel rooms because New Mexico wouldn't even let a game happen within its borders. Oh, wow. Just really weird stuff. Uh, you know, quarterback Sean Chambers gets hurt for the season on the third snap of the year. Just one thing after another. Opt-outs. 
you know, it, it was just a terrible year. I mean, we don't need to rehash. We we all lived through this terrible year. But these guys, more specifically, they got they got the uh, Q-tip in the brain three times a week. Um, they weren't able to be normal college kids. So let's put it that way. Well, they had games canceled at the last, last minute. minute. Yep. It was hard to prepare for anything. Yep. Half your schedule literally is gone. It, it was just a strange year and probably not reflective of the team they had. But looking towards this year, Sean Chambers, first of all, he's back. What yep. can we expect from Sean Chambers? Well, the coaches really like him. This would be the if he is the starter on opening day. This would be three years in a row. Um, they're not saying it's an open competition right now between Sean and Levi at the quarterback spot, but it nobody's naming a starter either. So, but Sean's kind of expected to be the starter, is he or is yeah, he not? Uh, yeah, I mean he was the starter, named the starter out of spring. He's atop the depth chart. Um, you know, the guy. It's not always pretty how the guy gets it done, right? But in the in the end, he's nine and three, and. The, Two of those games were seven point loss, seven points combined losses to San Diego State and to Tulsa. And then last year he gets the L because he started that game against Nevada when he broke his leg on the third play. So the guy's a winner, and the guy's the team loves him. He's a leader, great athlete, great athlete. He really does it on the ground. But as everybody, anybody who watches this team or follows this team knows, a passing element has to take place if the Cowboys hope to win a Mountain West championship. Well, I, I, I led a lot of the predictions to promo for this interview. That The one theme that ran through it more than anything is the great running game, but they got to be able to throw the ball. Have to. What, what are the prospects of that happening? Um, you know, they have such big, talented wide receivers. Um, the offensive line, Doug, is like three deep. I mean, that's what happens when everybody gets an additional year. Well, and as cliche as it is, it all starts up front. That's right. No, that's right. They have some really talented tight ends. They also have some talented uh, pass catchers out of the backfield. It, but they had that last year. Right. So that's the frustration. They had well, it in 2019, too. But we had the injury at quarterback, uh, uh, all the things we've already run through. It was just a strange year. We would hope for improvement. But even in 2019, basically since Josh Allen left Laramie, uh, the passing game has been a train wreck. And and the talent doesn't match how bad the numbers have truly been. Which gives us hope, actually, because yeah. they can do better. Oh, totally. I mean... I, I think Coach talked about it a lot during the offseason. They needed to re-engineer this offense. Uh, last year against Boise State, uh, the, the season finale in the snow in Moore Memorial Stadium, they just couldn't have gone out with more of a thud. I mean, it was it was ugly. It was an ugly game. Ugly. I, I don't even think they had 100 yards of total offense. Uh, I think Levi Williams completed three passes all day long. I mean, it was just hideous, and, and that's not winning football. And, and Craig has said it a lot. I watched that video, and that does not look like Wyoming Cowboy football. And Man, you can't even blame this one on that Smurf Blue Field in Boise. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it, was here, yeah. it was here in Laramie where we should yeah. hopefully be on our game. But. Yeah, no, the Cowboys couldn't get much of anything going. And, and you know how it goes, Doug. And you're a big NFL guy. You can't throw the ball. Everybody knows who's getting it. So it's pretty amazing that Wyoming's actually had as much success on the ground as they have. That shows you how talented they are because nobody's afraid of their passing game. Speaking of which, and I can never say his name right, but Xavier Holiday is Validay. Validay. Yep, yep, Sorry about yep, that. Yep. Uh, Xavier Holiday. He's a uh, back-to-back Mountain West uh, leading rusher. <laughs> I mean, and before that, it was Nico Evans was the Mountain West leading rusher. So Wyoming's doing that right, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. They have bell cows back there. They have guys that can get yards and chunks, but... Imagine, you know, I say this on my own podcast all the time, Doug, those Broncos teams of the late 90s. With Terrell Davis and John Elway. Yeah. Look what Terrell did for that team. Oh, yeah. It wasn't on John anymore. All you got to do is... And that made all the difference. When, when yeah. Ran for 2,000 yards. Yeah. All you got to do is complete, what, 60% of your balls? 
If the Cowboys can consistently throw the ball for 150 yards a game, yes. they win a lot of games. Yes, they do. Uh, because the defense is going to keep them in every game, for one. And then you can really you can really put your foot on their throat with the running game. But I always compare that to those late 90s Broncos teams because that's all you need is that passing element. Mm-hmm. John Elway was in cruise control most days back in those days. Oh, yeah. He didn't, he didn't have to throw for 350 every week. Exactly. Didn't even want to necessarily. Yeah, didn't need to. Yeah. So that's what the Cowboys need, an element of that. Um, and when you run the ball that well, like Denver did, those passing lanes should be wide open. That's what's been mind-boggling these last two so years. So why hasn't that been the case? There just hasn't been separation. From what I understand, the route tree is just, you know, way too complicated, was way too complicated. I mean, Will the new offensive coordinators fix that problem, do we think? So I use the word dumbing down the offense. Uh-huh. Craig Bull didn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, they, they simplified it. They simplified it and they said, hey, we got way too much crap mm-hmm. and it's not working. Right. So imagine you have all that extra crap in your head. You're not playing fast. Right. And which is what we've seen. No separation. You don't want to be thinking too much out there in the field. No. And and, and if you think about it, think about the offensive line, too, how great they are at run blocking. That's all they did was run block. Right. So when you have to when you have a third and eight and you have to actually keep a guy off your quarterback for three seconds, four seconds. Third down efficiency was a problem last year. Bad. Really bad. Uh, 30%, I think they were hovering around. It was it was horrible. But defense, imagine, I always thought to myself, I wish I was a defensive coordinator facing this Wyoming offense, especially on third and eight. Right. Yeah, there's no chance you're getting this. Let's talk about the defense. 11 starters returning, from yeah. what I understand. Yeah, not to mention guys who opted out. Uh, so, Solomon Bird, so, six and a half sacks in, 19, yep. in 2019. Yep, Solomon Bird, him and uh, Garrett Crawl on the defensive ends. So those guys should really... Really help the secondary uh, by getting to the quarterback. There's a veteran secondary, veteran corners out there in C.J. Colton and Azizi Hearn. They should really benefit from uh, that pass rush that's coming. Also, uh, the defensive ends should benefit from their coverage. I mean, that's how it works, right? Well, and granted, it was six games, but 17 sacks last year. That's not going to get it done. No, and they they had so many young guys up front last year. And Garrett Kroll, who's a team captain as well at defensive end, he... He was uh, he didn't he didn't play till the fourth game of the year. Solomon Bird out the whole year. Bird out the whole year. Uh, safety Rome Weber out the whole year. Uh, a couple of defensive interior guys, but you know that's that's where we talked about the possible growing pains last year turning into now you got some seasoned dudes mm-hmm. who've been in the trenches. Who you know Jordan Bertinelli is the one I always go back to. He's a kid from Casper who plays defensive tackle. I believe he's only about two seventy and uh, small for today's defensive tackle. Very small, and he had no experience. He was a walk on and. And, uh, man, did he hold his weight last year. He held his own all year long. Now he's a dude that you feel comfortable in the in the rotation. You absolutely do. Could this be the best defense in the Mountain West? Yes. Yeah. Unequivocally, yes. Um, they're, they're really good at every spot. They're too deep, three deep at every spot almost. Cornerback is the one spot you really like the two. And I know Craig Bull really likes the top two guys. After that, you have a little bit of a dip. However, uh, when I say dip, I mean total inexperienced youth. Um, Athletic ability, but not proven yet. Right, not proven. Uh, but the Cowboys are also blessed to have two really good nickelbacks in Keon Glinton and Keon Blankenbaker. Uh, or Keontae Glinton, excuse me, and Keon Blankenbaker. So one of those guys, both of those guys could slide out to that corner spot too if need be. Chad Mooma's a beast. Chad Mooma's really, really good. Um, just talked about him yesterday. I feel like he might have more raw talent than Logan Wilson, uh, but... Logan showed that he could take the ball away with more frequency. Right, right. Plus, he had it. 
He was a playmaker. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that's a big deal for Chad this year. He really wants to get his hand on some more balls and 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 get some more fumbles and get some more interceptions and those those sort of things. So uh, I believe he had 91 tackles in five and a half games last year. Uh, he that's got pretty good. Yeah, he got kicked <laughs> out of the. Uh, he got ejected from the New Mexico game, so he didn't even play a second half because of targeting. But yeah, imagine imagine a full season of that. That that would shatter Wyoming's all time record, which is held by Galen Thaxton still from the late eighties. So, I actually knew Galen right, right here in Cheyenne. I used to yep. work out with him. Uh, he played with the Falcons for a yep. while yep. and with San Diego. Yep, nice man, sweetheart of a man, good guy. Yep, um, brings back some memories. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's talk about the competition. Boise State's always going to be in the race, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, we we just went to Mountain West Media Days in Las Vegas two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, as a media member, we get to vote on who who finishes first, second, third, you know. Um, I picked Boise State. How could you not? Um, they do. Wyoming did receive two first place votes. Um, I don't know who they came from. Uh I would have. I don't think it was a wrong thing. I could. Have, I could have easily voted for the Cowboys, but I. It's. It's a prove it year, Doug. Is right. what it is. And until the Cowboys can prove they can do that and and knock off those guys, it's it's Boise State's league, and everybody else is just living in it. So, uh, this is the year to do it, and the Cowboys have the team to do it. San Jose State, a team that traditionally has not been that great, they've really come into their own the last couple of years. Yeah, you got to give them a ton of credit the way they maneuvered COVID last year. Um, Especially in California. You know, California was so hardcore with the virus that uh, San Jose State had to play some of their home games in Las Vegas as well. And they just did a phenomenal job. Uh, and, and I remember, Doug, two years ago at Mountain West Media Days talking to their head coach, Brett Brenton. He's a really nice man. And he was really enthusiastic about his team and really enthusiastic about all the upgrades they were making at the stadium. And I couldn't help but think, man, you're such a nice guy. Too bad you're not going to be around to see it because there's not a chance in hell San Jose State's going to be worth a darn anytime soon. Uh, he wins National Coach of the Year. Um, they win the Mountain West. They go undefeated. They whip Boise in the Mountain West title game. Good for the Spartans. And this is a team that was fighting a losing tradition in football. Bad. They don't even have bleachers on one side of their stadium Are right you now. serious? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah. San Jose State, you got to think about that. It's a commuter school, a lot of uh, foreign students. Uh, football's not on on their mind. That <laughs> well, is now. Yeah, and you hope it is because you want them to be strong. Because I feel bad for the Spartans because when people talk about, of course, all this conference realignment and everything, it's like, why did we ever get San Jose State? Get them out of here. You watch their basketball games. There's ten people in the crowd. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but really happy for those guys. Now I think they were picked to finish second on the Western Division behind Nevada. Rightfully so, in, in a lot of ways. Nevada's bringing back a ton of talent, including Carson Strong, who was the Offensive Player of the Year last year in the league. But uh, I think people, including myself, you know, we want to see if San Jose State can do that over a 12-game was, schedule. Was this a fluke, or, or, or are they that good? Or yeah, they you know, I don't know if it's a fluke, but you do it over 12 games. Six games in a weird year doesn't prove quite as yeah. much as you might think. But, man, how, how special that they were able to navigate that. You know, Wyoming didn't. Let's talk about Nevada. Oh, they're good. They everybody's coming back. They got a they got a really big receiver named Romeo Dubs, who's really good. Cole Turner, who was named the tight end uh, first team tight end uh, in the conference, and then everything starts with Carson Strong. I've actually been hearing NFL guys talking about Carson Strong possibly being a top ten pick next oh, year. Wow. And, uh, wow. 
it's kind of hard to believe. I mean, he's he's good, but when I think of top ten picks, I think of Josh Allen. I don't, you know, Carson doesn't have those physical gifts that Josh has. Not a lot of people do, of course. Certainly not the arm. No, no, he doesn't have the arm, but he's got a lot of talent around him, and uh, Nevada should be really good. And um, man, that was a bad Wyoming opened in Reno last year, and just a really you can tell how good that team is. That team's got a really good defense. Wyoming actually took him into overtime after going down by twenty some points in the third quarter. So a really good battle for the Cowboys. But man, Nevada's good, and I can imagine in their little stadium when they get that sucker rocking, it's probably a probably a pretty fun place to be. How about Air Force? You know them. Always the well, when they run that offense, you've got to throw everything out to yeah. the rest of the year. You've yeah. got to be disciplined, lane lane discipline. You've got to you've got to do your do your job as Bill Belichick. Follow the fullback. <laughs> Follow the fullback. But, but it yeah. takes a different mindset because oh, totally. it, it's just so different. It, yeah. it, it's like the old wishbone offense that we used to see back in the day. Totally, and that's where Air Force has a lot of people, a lot of pieces they need to replace on the offensive line. But you can't help but really think that it's almost plug and play. If they can find some people to master the 10 plays they run, uh, they could be really good. It's almost the system as much as it is the talent. Totally, totally. Yeah, they could be really good. What I do like, and I think Wyoming fans would agree with this, uh, Cowboys play four non-conference games, then have a bye week, then it's at Air Force. So the Cowboys have an extra week to prepare for the Falcons and their wishbone and, and you know, or their triple option attack. And it, It's almost the same thing. As yeah, well. yeah, 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 potato, potato. But the, and the Cowboys, the Cowboys traditionally play Air Force really well. So that's always a fun game. It's down in Colorado Springs this year. Uh, so a lot of Cowboys fans will be in attendance. And uh, it's a big one because I think nobody's saying it. but I'll Because we got through it together. This message sponsored by the Helmsley Charitable Trust, aired with the Wyoming Association of Broadcasters and this station. Um, hello, it's me. The designer jeans in your closet. The back of your closet. What am I doing here? Would you keep caviar in the back of your fridge with the ketchup and old milk? Yeah, I don't think so. So, what happened to us? I mean, have you seen my label? I used to summer in the Hamptons, and now I'm stuck behind a pair of sweats. Sure, I never really fit you quite right, and one of my pockets is so small you can't even squeeze your hand into it. But it's all about the look. And I look good. I need to get back out on the scene, so I can be seen. You know, going to fancy parties, getting expensive iced coffees, Sunday fun days, okay? So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you... Learn a new language with ease. Go to Babbel.com to try for free. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Babbel.com. Hi, I'm Ice-T. As a veteran, I know that for many former servicemen and women, the battle doesn't always end when they come home. Every day, 184 veterans are diagnosed with post-traumatic stress, and sadly, 20 take their own lives. When nothing else helps, professionally trained service dogs can American Humane, serving the U.S. military for over 100 years, rescues animals in need of forever homes, and trains them to become free, life-saving service dogs for our nation's veterans. If you're a veteran or know a veteran struggling with post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury, 
please go to AmericanHumane.org to learn about their Pups for Patriots program. Let's give our veterans a fighting chance. KGAB Orchard Valley Cheyenne, K258DN Orchard Valley. Breaking news, weather, sports, and talk. A Town Square media station. Peekaboo, peekaboo, smile. Smile, buddy. Come on, smile. Oh, honey, he's still not smiling. Maybe he's not a smiler. <sighs> yeah, maybe he's just not a happy baby. Maybe he's just being a boy. You know how boys are. Or maybe he's teething. Oh, poor baby. I think his gums hurt. Maybe he's just tired. Or maybe his tummy hurts. He didn't eat that much. Maybe he's not ticklish. You think maybe he's scared of the dog? Maybe he'll outgrow it. Maybe it's a phase. Maybe he just doesn't like smiling. Maybe he has autism. And we can definitely do something to help. Maybe is all you need to find out more about autism. No big, joyful smiles by six months is one early sign. Learn the others at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs or see a doctor today for an autism screening. The sooner it's diagnosed, the better. And it can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. If baby could talk, she'd say a lot. You'd know what she's thinking and what makes her happy. But unfortunately, baby can't talk or remind you you're the one taking her to daycare today. And she won't speak up if you drive straight to work like any other day. threat from ISIS in Afghanistan prompted the U.S. Embassy in Kabul to urge Americans there not to come to the airport unless they receive instructions otherwise from the U.S. government. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby. So what you're seeing out of our State Department colleagues, I think, is uh, you know, a prudent notification to make sure that uh, that Whatever movement there is to the gates from outside the airport is done uh, as safely as possible and that uh, people have uh, the information they need to make the best decisions for themselves going forward. Kirby did not rule out sending U.S. forces outside the Kabul airport to find people and get them out. Hurricane Henri is barreling toward Long Island and New England. The storm, which was upgraded from a tropical storm status, is currently about 200 miles off the North Carolina coast. With that eventual landfall of Long Island, perhaps southern New England, is going to be tomorrow afternoon. So Sunday afternoon is when this will approach, but I do think things start to deteriorate early on Sunday. Folks along Long Island tomorrow afternoon are going to be feeling the impacts from this storm. Hurricane warnings in place for this entire region and then just outside of that, including New York City, is a tropical storm warning and that just means tropical storm force conditions likely in New York City tomorrow afternoon, maybe three to five feet of total storm surge. So it's going to be a wind situation. It's going to be a storm surge situation. Fox meteorologist Adam Klotz, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has declared a state of emergency for some parts of his state. New York Central Park the scene of a concert expected to be attended by thousands later today to celebrate the city's recovery from coronavirus. Stars include Bruce Springsteen, Carlos Santana, Jennifer Hudson, and more. America is listening to Fox News. Get on.
all of your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. From Trey Gowdy, the Fox News Rundown, Will Kane, Brian Kilmeade, and so much more. Go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The Fox News Rundown. Start your day with a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. A daily morning podcast going far beyond the headlines. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Dana Perino, co-host of the 5 and America's Newsroom on Fox News Channel, returns to the world of audio with a new limited time podcast. Everything will be okay with Dana Perino. Building off the success of her best-selling book of the same name, Dana provides an unequaled brand of advice built on real-life experience and interviews experts and individuals that make a difference in the lives of others. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. President Biden's withdrawal of American troops from Afghanistan is being criticized by Britain. It was the first time such scenes have been seen in the British Parliament. And not only did they start to berate the decision, I, I want to read to you what one parliamentarian stood up and said. To see their commander-in-chief call into question the courage of men I fought with to claim they ran is shameful. Those who have not fought for the colors they fly should be careful about criticizing those who have. And another one of the big points that many people made was that President Biden campaigned on this idea of America is back. Fox's Benjamin Hall. Three U.S. senators have tested positive for coronavirus all on the same day. Fox's Rachel Sutherland reports. Independent Angus King, Republican Roger Wicker, and Democrat John Hickenlooper are experiencing what doctors call breakthrough cases when fully vaccinated people come down with COVID-19. Dr. Jerome Adams, former Surgeon General under President Trump, says the illnesses are usually mild. Symptoms that, that seem like a sinus infection or bad allergies, a runny nose, a stuffy head. Dr. Adams says vaccines are still the best way to prevent serious illness and death. Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. Major League Baseball is officially confirmed as sequel to the Field of Dreams game. Fox's Matt DiPolitano with more. Major League Baseball confirming more than a week's worth of rumors Friday by announcing that the Field of Dreams game will return next season when the Cincinnati Reds and Chicago Cubs travel to Dyersville, Iowa. The Reds and Cubs slated to square off August 11th, 2022 at the temporary venue built next to the site where the iconic 1989 baseball movie was filmed. This coming just over a week after the inaugural game at the Field of Dreams as about 8,000 fans watched the Chicago White Sox winning a walk-off thriller over the New York Yankees 9-8 in the first ever Major League ball game played in the state of Iowa. By the way, Cincinnati will serve as the home team next year. Matt 